Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah Jazz coming off a disappointing loss to the Pelicans, getting ready for a game with the Sixers, their last game before the All-Star break. PK and I with Big T, Thurl Bailey, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Big T, good morning. Good morning, guys. What's going on? Big T, man, you are big time going up to the state capitol, getting honored for all your service and good works in the community. You're the man, Big T. Well, it was nice. It was nice to be recognized. I mean, you know, it, we that's not why we do things, but it's it's always nice to know that people are watching and listening and then we're in a great community as well to be able to to uh to emulate a lot of what's going on in this community already. So, thanks. Yeah, I've always been amazed on how you've always had time for everybody. I've seen it. The only time you didn't have time for somebody was when some (laughs) little dude uh, was in a store in Michigan after the Michigan-BYU football game, I think it was. He tapped you on the shoulder, and you looked around and said, What do you want? Remember that one? Uh, You know, I don't really recollect that. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> wow, you got a great memory, PK. Uh, Is there any that chance? Was me. Yeah, I was going to say, any chance the little guy was PK? Of course it was. Because that's really the only person you drop. <laughs> what do you want on? <laughs> I think I actually. He scared me. I just kind of well. went away. Security. <laughs> Yeah, I think you were there on a recruiting trip for your son, if I remember correctly. I was, yeah. And I, and I was covering the game. That was kind of funny. I actually heard you on uh, NBA radio uh, a couple of weeks back. I mean, the Jazz are just getting so much attention here as far as what we've got going with them. And obviously, you being one of the broadcasters, people are going to come at you as far as that goes. How do you think the players handling all this stuff? And there's some deal as far as, well, you know, maybe they're not getting respect. Is that anything that you would be concerned about and should the players be concerned about? No, I don't think you're ever concerned. I mean, you know this. I mean, I think it's it's been that way for this this market or this organization, even in, in you know, in winning years in the Malone-Stockton era. Um, you know, the respect had to be earned. And I think even in, at this position right now, there are a lot of people out there that, that aren't really sure if the Jazz are the real deal or not. I mean, they got a small sample size and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, But this is a really, really good team. And it, it's not just about, I mean, we see them a lot, you know, outside of, of, of Jazz Nation. You know, people are, have their other teams that they root for and their favorites. But there is no question that the Jazz have really been tested uh, in, in this first half. And they, they've, they've won different ways. Although they do make the three-point shot a big part of what they do, uh, when the shot's not going well, they, they found other ways to win or they found ways to stay in games. Uh, and have a chance to to win. But occasionally, they don't seem to want to defend. And they've got a great record right now, but they are 2-4 and when they give up more than 120 points. 
So the obvious answer would be quit giving up more than 120 points. Now, you can speak to getting worn down and it's your third game in four days, but uh, PK and I were really pumping them up when they played three and four days and ground out a win in Indiana after a back-to-back down in, I think, Atlanta and Charlotte. And they didn't have the energy, and they found a way to push through it. And then watching them play the Pelicans, they didn't have the energy, but they didn't, they didn't find that sense of urgency the last three minutes, and so they weren't able to push through it. How much do you write off to, hey, it happens? And how much do you write off to, hey, it happens to a lot of teams in the NBA, but if you want to be a champion, it shouldn't be happening to you, and it can't be happening to you. You've got to find a way to push through it, just the way you're going to have to push through tough times in the playoffs. Well, DJ, you know me. I don't. I don't like using that that excuse, um, and, and I, I'm sure they don't either. Listen, every team has to go through it. Every team gets tired. It's just humanly impossible not to have fatigue uh, when you're traveling, uh, when you're playing a lot of games. Um, sometimes it's a collective fatigue, but other times it's individual fatigue, like impact players that that uh, may be feeling it. The other thing is, is there are other good teams in this league. You know, their record, New Orleans is a good team. Their record doesn't indicate that, but, you know, they're nice. They're going to put together a really good game. And, and whatever you try to do defensively, um, you know, it's you're going to have slow starts. You're going to have dips. You have bad third quarters. Uh, I, I think the positive thing, if I had to pull something out from – Yesterday's game was the fight. Even even with the fatigue, there was some fight. You're down 17. You bring it back within one. So you got an opportunity, and that's a lot of times is what you ask for is an opportunity to win. But I get what you're saying. If you want to be one of those next level teams in the finals and and possibility to to win a championship, there's certain things that you cannot allow, and um, it's not going to happen every night. But there's certain teams that, on paper, you you know you've got to really, you've got to have strong starts. You can't have a lull. You can't, you know, you can't allow that team to go on a, you know, a, 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 a significant run without you answering back right away. So Jazz got caught in that last night. You heard Quinn Snyder talk about things that they didn't do well. They didn't defend. Uh, that's a collective effort as well. With Mike Conley out, Joe Ingles really flourishes. In fact, they're seven and zero without without Conley, if I remember correctly. And then against the Pelicans, with Conley's obviously back, uh, Joel's not near the same player. Now, obviously, the ability is there. What can be done to get more out of Joe in the role when Conley's playing? Well, I think there's uh, you know you're asking a player to. To be in a different role, uh, when that player goes, when Joe goes back to the bench, his role has changed, and and a lot of times the people you're playing with on the court changes, right? Maybe you don't have as many pick and roll opportunities with Rudy um, on the bench as, as when you started. You know, you're trying to find something in that first quarter that works, and maybe that that's it for net for you know for a certain game, but. Um, and it's not that Joe can't give more. I think, you know, it, as a guy who came off the bench pretty much most of his career and you're thrown in the lineup, um, you just got to make those adjustments. Joe's been around long enough that, that he can be as aggressive offensively uh, coming off the bench as he does starting. But that, that, I think that's 
some of that is a lineup thing as well because when you have Joe in there, you have JC in there as well, Jordan Clarkson, then your offense is going to be set up a little differently. Um, you know, you may not be the primary ball handler a lot of times or, or the guy with the ball in his hand as, as the shot clock's running down. So you know, I think it's really incumbent upon Joe to, to try to be as forceful you know, and, and take some risk as well on the offensive end. But, yeah, it's, it's a different place to be. It's a different role that you're asking a guy to do. Um, coming out of the shoot, based, um, you know, based upon what you need that first quarter to look like. Uh, so, you know, a lot of that's on gel, but some of it is, is based on the different lineups. I think you're smart. And you know why people say that? Thank you. <laughs> I think you're smart too, PK, but I was talking to Thurl in this situation. Oh, okay. oh. But usually I find that people say someone is smart when someone unexpectedly shares an opinion that aligns with their own opinion. And I think, well, you're smart because I'm smart because I figured out the truth. And Well, you figured out the truth too, so you must be smart. But I really think there's a lot of truth to if you're on the floor with Jordan Clarkson and he's doing his thing – Joe's going to be a decoy in the corner. Well, not necessarily a decoy, but Joe's going to be in the corner. But they're never going to leave Joe because he shot the three too well for too many years. And even if players are going to only semi-absorb the scouting report, they know that because they played against him in previous years and seen him do it. So they're not leaving him. So Joe's going to start getting a lot of zeros across the box score because he's standing in the corner. And you don't get an assist over there. You're not going to get a shot over there. And you're probably not getting a rebound over there. And so Joe's production is going to change dramatically, and Clarkson's efficient enough and effective enough. I don't know how much I'd want to mess with that because clearly what he's doing is working. Um, so does it just come down to the Jazz are so deep that there's always going to be someone who isn't going to be as statistically productive as they could be? Or is there some way, you played on a lot of teams for a lot of coaches, is there some way to massage that over time? See, you're smart too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Thurl. Thank you, PK. PK's getting in on this cake. I don't know how, yeah. but he's getting a piece of this. That chocolate cake looks good. I'm getting in on this. <laughs> well, I think that's that's kind of the beauty of of who the Jazz are, and it also kind of hurts them on on, on certain nights as well because teams are going when they scout the Jazz. I mean, what do you what do you really focus on taking away? You want to take away. Rudy's dive to the basket so he can't get lobs. Um, you want to try to take away the pick and roll. Well, you've got to guard something. Um, and some nights it works with teams, but the Jazz have so many options in the flow of what they do. Um, just like, you know, I talked about big game yesterday. You know, Bogey hasn't had a 20-point game in a while. Uh, you know, I, I feel like it's time for him to, to kind of step up. And, and sure enough, the opportunity happened early in the game because the other team's thinking, well, you know, Bogey hasn't necessarily shot it great. He's had some good games. So what do you want to take away? You want to take away Rudy's ability to get to the rim. Uh, you know, you want to take away the three-point shot. So, yeah, I mean, I think in general, in general, guys, what the Jazz, the Jazz are read and react team. Right, so there's not one or two guys. Who, I think I think that's sometimes why Donovan doesn't get a great start 
in a lot of games as you look at the scoring side of it. And it's not because teams are taking it away as much as, you know, it, it's it's his ability to see what's open for him and not try to, you know, to to push the envelope until, you know, he knows that, you know, he's got to pick it up a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think we talk about a different – we either talk about a different guy kind of coming through every night or multiple guys. You know, you see six, seven guys in double figures. Um, you know that when Mike Conley's out, somebody else is going to take up that role, Royce O'Neal, maybe offensively. So, yeah, there's so many dynamics to to what's going on. It's just amazing that Coach Quinn Snyder's head doesn't explode because – and that's a lot to sell to a bunch of guys, but it works. I hate to overemphasize any singular game. Uh, now, with that in mind, I'm going to probably do it and ask you about it as far as the Philly game because it's the last game before they have nine days off, and if they lose, they'd go one and three on the trip, blah, blah, blah. How much importance do you put into this singular game, Philadelphia, which is obviously a contender in the East? Uh, I put a lot of significance on it um, because, you know, we joke, and EJ knows this, about having your bags packed. Hmm. Um, you know, it's the all-star, the break's coming up, and, you know, Coach Sloan used to talk about that all the time, about you, know, you can't have your bag packed yet. We have, we've got work to do. And you've t- you're talking about the top two teams in, in each conference. So it's I, I think it's especially – with both teams being relatively healthy with their impact players. Embiid didn't play the last game. and um, So I think it's really, really important for the Jazz to end on on a very, very positive note, a win against a great team that's, that's uh, competing as well uh, for championship. And so uh, Jazz have historically – especially this season, been a pretty good bounce-back team. Uh, they've won a lot of games, and this, the, the, the game they lost last night probably hurt a little, little bit more because, um, you know, they had to put so much work into trying to get back into it. But I, I put a lot of significance on it, PK, because being in that position, you want to prove that you're worthy of, of – you know, being in that top spot. So you win this game, I think there's some automatic respect you're going to get uh, from people outside of that that jazz, the jazz world. Maybe maybe Shaq. Maybe Shaq will give him more respect. Who knows? Yeah, there you go. No. You and I both know the answer <laughs> to that is no. Well, Big T, we got to let you run. I just want to say that uh, I don't know if you're the most patient person I've ever seen because I've seen Ron Boone be incredibly patient when I would have lost my top. But I did see you sign autographs. Uh, Pace and I would just go out to the set and watch games, and you would sign autographs late into the first quarter, once or twice, maybe into the second quarter. And I wasn't here, and neither were PKs, but we've watched enough sports. We can probably kind of fill in the gaps and, and largely guess why you're so popular with people after so many years, but uh, it does take a lot of patience, and that isn't as always as easy as you make it look. So I'm glad somebody more important than PK and I gave you a little tip of the cap there. So good for you. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's an honor coming from you guys. I appreciate it. But uh, 
Hey, you guys, you guys do a great job, man. I appreciate you having me on the show, and um, it's 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 just always nice to. It's good to be in a place where you know your team's winning and getting some more respect, and uh, you're just part of a part of something that's you know maybe we haven't seen for a while. So, uh, you know, give me a call tomorrow. I've got some other stuff for you. <laughs> we got All Star break coming up. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Don't call me. My bad. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Thurl. See you guys. DJ and PK there is Big T Thurl Bailey. When we come back, Derek Bodner. He writes for The Athletic. He is with uh, the Philadelphia version of The Athletic. He covers the 76ers. He's coming up next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. Time to check in with a guy who covers the 76ers for the athletic. It's the Jazz and the Sixers tonight. Here's Derek Bodner on the Sixers beat. Derek, good morning. Good morning. Derek, I'm curious uh, how the people in Philly are feeling about the Sixers and how much it parallels what we're seeing here with the Jazz. Best record in the conference, but you got a bigger market that's more glamorous, and they've got a they sign a Hall of Famer who helps recruit all stars, and now you got a super team, and everybody's drooling over them. Uh, the Jazz definitely feel overlooked. Do the Sixers and their fans feel overlooked by what's going on with the Nets and all the hype they're getting, or no? Well, you know that that's interesting. I would say a lot of Sixers fans are probably still a little bit. They're not a hundred percent bought in. I don't think. Um, mm. I think maybe the Sixers fans might be the ones doing the overlooking. Uh, because this is a team that, uh, you know, during the Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid era has not advanced beyond the second round of playoffs. Uh, a lot of pe- fans, I think, feel like once they get in the playoffs, some of their deficiencies will show. There's a little bit of a prove-it-to-me-in-the-playoff sort of vibe with a lot of fans with this team, uh, which probably comes with just not having had that kind of success here, either in recent or really in a pretty extended period of their history. Uh, so I think there's still a little bit of a wait-and-see approach to this team. I think everybody has sort of recognized the jump that Joel Embiid has taken and how important that is. But I think a lot of people also feel like they might be a year away before they really contend because there's still a little bit of work on the edges of this roster uh, that I think that needs to be happened before um, you know people really buy into them as an NBA Finals contender. Out here in the West, everybody focuses on the Lakers, right? And and probably, too, in, in the country because they're just that big. And when I look at the Sixers, I wonder if they're sort of a, a knockoff version of the Lakers, meaning that they've got two big-time players at the top, and then you hope that the rest of the roster can fill in, and you just go back as recently as the Indiana game, and you got Milton and Corkmaz, guys I had to look up after I looked at the box score, combining for like 45, 46 points, whatever it was, against the Pacers. Do you see sort of some semblance in terms of the two big guys like the Lakers have and then hope that you get contributions from the other guys? Yeah, yeah, and I I think that's entirely fair. Uh, You know, I would sort of throw – Bias there sitting there as a third player who's maybe a little more reliable. Um, 
make it more of a three, not a true big three, because I don't think Tobias Harris is that good. But certainly I think there's a sense that the, like I said, the pieces around them aren't quite up there yet. Uh, and certainly when you start looking at the bench, I actually think uh, Shake Milton is a pretty good young player, not a, you know, not a future 20 point per game scorer, but I think he's a legitimate rotation player. But once you get behind him on the bench, there just isn't all that much in terms of reliable talent. Um, and I think that is a, a, a pretty big concern. You know, the obvious difference between the Lakers and the Sixers is the Lakers have proven it. Uh, LeBron James, the most decorated playoff performer of this era, uh, have proven it in the postseason, whereas the Sixers have not. Uh, and I think that's, that's where a lot of skepticism comes in. I think a lot of people look at it like it's tough to build a, a playoff-style offense around a post-up score, even as uniquely talented as Joel Embiid is. And there's just a lack of perimeter shot creation that I think I think some people need to you know, see whether or not it can work in the playoffs uh, and there are legitimate concerns. So, yeah, I think that's sort of like the blueprint, um, but a, a lower-rent version of the blueprint for sure. So in the win Monday, uh, Korkmaz is one of the guys who comes in off the bench and goes nuts, and I'm thinking, how come this guy didn't make an impression on me when I was watching the Jazz-Philly game in Utah, and I went back and looked at the box score and saw 0 for 5 in 21 minutes. Um, when you see some of these guys, how much of these – and he's still a young guy. He's 23. How invested are the Sixers in some of these parts around the edges that you talk about and it's a case of giving them a year or two to get better? And how much uh, could they be making moves at the deadline and making moves in the offseason and still getting the right guys? Oh, if we know one thing about Daryl Morey, it's that he's going to make moves. <laughs> um, you know, I, look, I, I think it depends on the player you're talking about. I think they're invested in Tyrese Maxey. Uh, the point guard out of Kentucky they took with the 21st pick in the draft last year or a couple months ago. I think they're invested in Shake Milton, uh, a guy who's under a really team-friendly contract for three more years uh, that they have brought up. He was a, a two-way player, at least second-round pick, who has shown a lot. I think they're invested in him. Korkmaz, I think, probably a little less so. You know, He had a good year last year. They drafted him. He came into the league as a shooter, struggled from the perimeter the first two years. And shot the ball really well last year and ended rotation and has taken a huge step back. When his jumper is not falling, he just provides them with pretty much nothing else on the floor. Uh, so he has been tough to, I think, find consistent minutes for. Um, so it, it depends on a lot of these people. Like if the, Their bench is a lot of young players. I think they have a lot of players. You can throw Matisse Bible into that mix as well as a um, you know really unique defensive prospect who can impact the game in a multitude of ways but is a almost complete zero offensively. So they have sort of like these flawed young players who they're invested in but who aren't really quite ready to compete at a uh, playoff level. Uh, yeah, I think they're going to be aggressive in making moves. I think Daryl Morey you know, has shown that he will trade draft picks, he will trade young players when he has a team that he thinks is close to competing for a title. He did that time and time again in, in Houston. Uh, he feels like he can replace those young players and draft picks with smart moves down the line. I think he's going to look at it and say this is an MVP caliber season from Joel Embiid. We don't think this roster around him is good enough, and I think he's going to be aggressive to try to take advantage of that. When's Tobias Harris going to be back? Yeah, the, Doc Rivers was talking about, uh, and then Harris is out with a, a knee contusion. Uh, Rivers was talking earlier in the, or yesterday after the game, uh, which feels like earlier in the day, because days overlap now. Uh, but he was talking about he might try to play again uh, Wednesday night in, uh, in, in the game against you guys. I don't know if I would do that, especially with a knee. Like, you've got one more game, and then you've got a you know, seven-day break for the All-Star game. Give Harris off. Let that knee rest. That's what I would do. 
But it sounds like Doc Rivers is hopeful that he will be back for Wednesday's game, which Derek Bodner joining us. He's senior writer for the Athletic of Philadelphia, covering the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, when you look at Doc Rivers and you know how he's changed this club, his fingerprints on it, where, where do you see the impact? I would say mostly not X's and O's, not anything in that sort, just night in, night out consistency. Uh, that was one thing that really plagued this team, the effort level and the focus, especially last year. Uh, previous years was pretty good, but last year was – a real struggle in night-to-night consistency. Uh, that is something they have had this year. By and large, you can look through Joel Embiid, or you can look through Ben Simmons. They bring it every night. And maybe the box score isn't perfect every night, but effort level and focus is there. And I think that is something that was lacking last year. I think that has been a big reason why they have the best record in the Eastern Conference. And uh, that is what I think has been his, his biggest impact so far. As far as coming out of the East to get to the NBA Finals, do you see anybody besides either the Nets or Sixers? I mean, the Bucks. I think. You know, I think the Bucks still have a lot of talent. I think Giannis, when he's at the top of his game, could still be the best player in the Eastern Conference. Uh, probably is the best player in the Eastern Conference. And I think that team, you know, they've been playing a lot recently without Drew Holiday, who had that extensive time off with the health and safety protocols. Uh, but when they are at full strength, and I don't think they have the depth that they had in previous years, but when they're at full strength, I think they're still a, a very tough team. I think they probably have the best net rating in the Eastern Conference right now. Uh, I think they're right up there with the Sixers and the for sure. So there is, uh, on this side of the country, there are plenty of Jazz fans who are thinking, hey, hold on to this one seed and let the Lakers and Clippers meet in the second round. No reason to have to draw those guys in back-to-back rounds. That sounds like a humongous task. One of them will be tough enough. Uh, is that how the Sixers are looking at the top spot in the East or no? Yeah, no, I think they certainly are. Uh, and I think there is a, a big benefit to not having to go through two of Milwaukee and Brooklyn to get there. The concern, though, is that in order to do that, you're going to have to play Joel beat, especially, I mean, this second half of the season, I think they play – uh, you know, something like 36 games in 66 days or something like that. It's a very condensed schedule, and you've got a big man in Embiid who, first of all, has just never played night every game night in and night out. And he's, also, he's also got, you know, he's got an ankle injury. He's got a lower back injury. He's had his share of knee injury throughout the course of his career. I think there is concern that in order to challenge for that one seed, especially with the way Brooklyn's playing, I think they've won, what, 9 out of 10 now, something like that. With the way I think Milwaukee is going to play in the second half, you're going to need Joel Embiid to play 34 out of 36 or all, maybe all 36 in order to have a chance, and that might come at the expense of him being at the top of his game for the playoffs. So I think it's a tough balancing act for the Sixers. You know, I think Joel Embiid wants to come in and play night in and night out, in part because I think he wants a number one seed, but in part because I think he wants to prove that he is a every-game kind of player. Uh, but I do think there is some risk to doing that, so it will be really interesting to see how they balance that out because it is a little bit at odds with each other, those two goals. Rudy Gobert's got a lot of run for a defensive player of the year, and won it twice and recognizes one of the better ones, if not the best one. You think Embiid will view this as somewhat of a big game and a slew of games? Oh, he always he always does. Um, he, he just he just played the other night, last night, against Miles Turner, uh, and he, he said it right out in his post-game press conference that like that is a defensive player of the year candidate, and I wanted to take it to him. And Joel Embiid has always had success against Miles Turner, and the six or the Pacers spent all night double teaming him, and he he passed the ball out of that, and he, he really controlled the game. But there is no doubt in my mind he will look at at this matchup with Gobert uh, as a chance to prove, um, you know, his status in the league. He takes those big man matchups personally. So I was a little surprised he missed the previous game against these two teams. But yeah, I think uh, I think he will be uh, 
gunning for Gobert and, and, and really revel in the match. As much as I've asked you about seeding and playoff and all that, uh, when you step back and look at the entire league, if the Lakers are healthy, is everybody chasing the defending champs? Yeah, I think I think they're the best team in the league. Um, you know, I, it's certainly the one that when you get to the playoffs and you ask me which one do I have the most confidence in, I mean, they've just they've accomplished so much, and Le- LeBron's accomplished so much. And quite frankly, that two-man tandem between LeBron and Anthony Davis is so perfectly built to play off of each other's strength that I think they make the most sense. Uh, and, you know, I say that as a person covering this team with the best record in the East, talking to you guys with the best record in the NBA, uh, when the playoffs come around, it's still, to me, a LeBron league. And, yeah, I, I think if they're playing at their best, it's going to be tough for, tough for anyone. Derek, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for hopping on with us and uh, giving us a look ahead to the Sixers and the Jazz. Yep, my pleasure. There's Derek Bodner. He covers the Sixers for The Athletic. When we come back, former Utah wide receivers coach Guy Holiday. What went down at the end? Why is he out? How does he feel about that? And what are his plans going forward? Stay with us. He's coming up next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Guy Holiday, the former University of Utah receivers coach. Before that, BYU receivers coach. A lot of you have uh, rooted for him and his players and his teams over the years. Guy, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. How's it going? Uh, It's going okay for us. I guess we're curious about how it's going for you. Job changes are always hard, and you are suddenly going through one, at least suddenly to us. Maybe you saw it coming. Uh, yeah, it's pretty sudden. and uh, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not disappointed because that, I, you know me, I speak my mind. Um, you know, it's a situation where it's, it's been just a, a hard year as far as everybody thinks about COVID. But I go all the way back to having a, a receiver arrested and, and those things. And, you know, a lot of people, they, they uh, get into the game for – you know, winning championships and all those things are important. But for me, it's about people. So when you when you go through that, you're going through it. Um, at least me, I can't throw away a a person, a young person. I, I just can't do it. And um, you know, if if things come out for that person or any other person, and you know, you feel for for the victims of um, who experienced it, and, and you know, but you have to believe in in that person and then you take that and you go through COVID and then uh for me that was that was a it was a challenge I um I had uh, a couple positive tests here and there um but it really didn't come out to be anything uh but it drained me so I I was drained I was tired and went through another player who um you know decided to leave and come back and under uh, certain circumstances, and then obviously two players that left. That was one was really crushing to me uh, as a person because I've known the family for for so long, and uh, so it was um, 
you know, when him, when uh, Coach and I sat down, it was, I understood it. I Believe me, I understood it because, you know, in this this game, the ultimate deal is to, to win. Well, you know, I had a chance to go to the NFL last year to two different teams, and, you know, I, I'm not a, I don't like the business side of this as far as when you deal with young people. And, uh, and I think we're in a, a, um, a very interesting and tragic time as far as uh, college sports, you know, the open transfer policy and, you know, and uh, things like that. So now you have so many people involved with uh, college athletes, uh, the people on the outside. And, and at, at the end of the day, you know, with um, – what it all comes down to, whether we like it or not, we want kids that want to win championships, but we recruit kids that want to get to the NFL. So, um, you know, based on that, your production is everything. And, um, you know, these guys want to essentially be more productive, and, and I understand that. And, you know, um, both of them are going to have degrees, and that's my job, to get them here, get a degree, and, uh and do the best I can for him. And I think I did that. But I, I want to clear the air as far as I've always said, I speak for myself. I mean, the University of Utah, um, they've been good to me. Okay, so me leaving there and everybody, you know, needs to know that they're taking care of me. This is not that, hey, they kick. No, they're doing some, uh, doing some things right by me, which I appreciate. I appreciate Mark Holland and um, – I appreciate the opportunity that, that uh, Whit gave me. And uh, we had a great relationship and still do. You know, it's just um, you got to make tough decisions and, and do tough things. And some people say, well, oh, it was his coaching or this. And anybody that knows me, measure me by my players. Don't measure me by what you think. And um, I got enough texts. And this part makes me emotional because I got enough texts, enough phone calls from former players and current players that told me I did the right thing. I did it right. And that's all that matters. What every fan thinks, no, I don't, I don't do this for fans. I don't do this for fanfare. Uh, I love my players. And at the end of the day, Anybody that knows me knows that's the most important thing. And that's how I weigh it out. And so I did my job. And, um, man, I wanted to win a championship at Utah. Uh, you know, won't get that opportunity, but we there may be some things on the horizon uh, at the university possibly. There are some other things that I'm looking at outside of the game. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, most people think that in today's college football, you have to be a certain age or to have a certain amount of energy or, you know, but at the end of the day, man, it's about people. It's about people. And uh, I did the right thing by people. You know, the other thing that I'll add, I know, you know, this came about because of, uh, um, I guess, a tweet my son put out. And one, one thing I want everybody here to understand I've been doing this uh, for 27 years. I've been in this game since I was seven. Uh, so if you do the math, that's a long freaking time. <laughs> that's that's a half a century. So you raise your kids in this environment, and uh, you know they see how hard you work at it. They see what you do. They know what you feel, and 
you know, I, I, um, I don't say my son is, uh, I don't banish him for what he did. He has a right to speak an opinion. We're in a, in a society right now where things are very separated and, uh, we fail to realize it. We, we just ignore it. And, um, you know, my one son, I had, uh, uh, to go to school here in Utah and one experience being stopped by the police on two, three different occasions and being handcuffed just because he was black, you know, not that he was doing anything wrong, but just a routine stop. And, you know, that, that takes its toll on a young person and, and we fail to realize it because we don't experience it. Um, you know, he has since removed because I told him to remove it. He's still my son. Uh, and uh, but I, I want everybody to know I have the utmost respect uh, for the outgoing President Watkins. We had a lot of deep talks. I have the utmost respect for Mark Harlan, uh, for Wit, the University of Utah. Period. I, I don't hold grudges. You know that's not me. Um, you know I'm going to. If I thought that I was leaving, people always ask. I just closed on another house here, uh, January about 27th. So I had no idea. Um, and this is, um, you know, this is just the way things worked out and it's not, no one, I'm not going to be bitter. It's not about that. Um, it's more about me, uh, knowing that I did the right thing by players. And that's more important to me than winning a football game. And, and this day and time and athletics, that's not what's important. Uh, to to some people, uh, you know, to the fans, it's about winning championships. Well, these kids have lives, and so that's why I stayed at, at Utah. I've had, you know, two different opportunities to leave. I'm a very loyal person. I could have went back east to a school uh, where I grew up, and um, and obviously I just mentioned the, the two opportunities last last year. But it's it's not about that for me. So what I want people to understand is don't hold it against a person because of their experiences, you know, and, and I'm, I'm speaking um, in reference to my family because that's my family, you know, and they're going to defend me regardless. And I wouldn't expect anything different because I'm going to defend them. And uh, that's how we do things as a family, and that's why it's called family. Yeah, for sure. I mean, people are emotional, particularly in certain instances when it comes to family. I think, Coach, quite frankly, for me, I don't know that I'm in the position to evaluate you as a receiver's coach. I don't really have any expertise on that. But doing a, going back to our time at BYU and then at Utah, if I evaluate you as a man, I give you the highest grade possible because I think that much of you and you've proven that as far as that goes. And you've just done with this uh, answer that you've just given. You've, again, exemplified who you are. And that's, that's the most important, as you say. And I agree with that 100%. As far as football was it simply a lack of production from the receivers, or did he get a specific reason why they needed to make a change? No, and I, I don't think um, I don't think that's that's it. Like I told you, I, I go back to more of the things that uh, took a lot out of me. I mean, uh, which adds up, which in the end will 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 add up. I mean, uh, when I look at the guys that left, uh, in particular, I mean, health played such a huge part. In them, and um, you know, we we can all sit around and debate how much production was there. I mean, and I can go back to having, 
been with players that had great production, whether it's a Darren Carrington or Tim Patrick. I think, uh, you know, we had guys two years ago catch 36. And, and you know, all that. So you have to operate within the offense. And, and, and at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's still about winning. You know, the game is still about winning. But what we have developed in our society is a me attitude. And the most me position on the field, whether we like it or not, is the receiver. And uh, you see it in the NFL. You see it uh, now in college. I mean, I know of an instance where a high school player who was committed to a top power five school walked into his high school coach's office and said, I need a ball more. I'm transferring. You know, this is this is what we are developing. And we're doing it because we um, – we live in we live in a uh, a world a society in the United States where we reward athleticism and ignore character, and so these kids aren't being rewarded for the men that they are. They're being rewarded because of the athlete that they are, and there's a uh, there's a major issue. Uh, so for me, uh, and again, the most important part for me is the player, uh, the person. And then the player will thrive because of the person that he is. Um, I think we had some guys make some questionable decisions. And, uh, sure, that leads up to it because that's called, you know, you're responsible for your players both on and off the field. A lot of people don't understand that. They may say, well, that's not right. Well, that's what you signed up for. And at the University of Utah, it's um, – uh, it is a key component because of the, the – uh, the world we bring these kids into, you you have to realize, uh, and people, I don't want anybody from Salt Lake City or, or Utah or Utah County or anywhere else to be insulted by this, but this, the state in which we live in is very unique. It is um, obviously heavily influenced by the LDS church. Um, the government interaction with the church is evident. And um, which is fine because it creates a great atmosphere of family and those things. But you're bringing young people in. Um, that's not that's not their lifestyle. That's not how they lived. And then you want them to conform to uh, a very idealistic lifestyle that uh, many of them just can't uphold and uh, are criticized for it because they're just normal people. I mean, the things that I look at in this city, and I, I love Salt Lake City. It's been one of the best places I live. In my opinion, it is a city of extremes. The uh, homelessness, the drug abuse is extreme. And on the other side, uh, the religious aspect of it and the righteousness can be extreme. And uh, so... I think there's a middle ground there. I've always believed that. I respect any person, regardless of their race or, or religion. That's important to me. Uh, I worked at BYU. We all know that. And I didn't have a, a problem uh, speaking my point of view on what I thought was wrong or right, but yet adhering to um, the policy. And But I'm a grown, as my other son would say, I'm a grown-ass man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I can I can handle it, but you're bringing in young people who don't really understand the dynamics of it. And then when you intermingle young men 
with women who've been raised in that culture and not really understanding how that works, um, it's a challenge. It is a challenge. And, uh, but, you know, if anybody wants me to bash the universe, I, and you get an opportunity. That's all you ask for. And uh, if there's another opportunity out there for me in coaching and, and uh, it happens for me, I'll be fortunate to have that opportunity. Uh, you know, I'm not – I don't want anybody to think. The only thing that matters to me at the end of the day is that I do right by my players. Uh, if people want to judge my coaching record and what I've done, look at the statistics. Look at the statistics of the players I've coached. Look at, look at you know, and um, what I did uh, in, in, in Provo. I think that speaks for itself. And what I did coming into University of Utah, I think, I think it speaks for itself everywhere I've been. I stand by my record. You know, that doesn't matter. That doesn't mean that at some point you may have stayed somewhere too long because that's the business. That's the nature of our business. Um, you know, and it just all at, at the end of the day, what all this means is we want to win a championship. And at this point, I think you've gotten us as far as we can go. We need to make a change. That's all it is. Nothing more, nothing less. And, and honestly, with where I was health-wise, it, it, it wasn't a fight for me. Um, and recovering, uh, you know, mentally and those things, it wasn't wasn't something I wanted to sit there and argue and, and present facts. It was, you know, uh, it's what uh, Coach at that time, that when he made decisions, felt that was right. It's his program, and he has that right. And I respect him for that because he also had the right to hire me, and he did that. And that was his his decision at that time. So it's um, – man, I, I love the university. I love the state of Utah. Uh, I've worked at the two major universities, and I've had positive experiences at both. Well, Guy, we know you've got to uh, we got to go. You got a plane to catch and all that. Uh, we appreciate your time. We've always appreciated talking to you, whether it was on the practice field, on the phone this summer. Had a great conversation, and really appreciated you coming on. And we appreciate you coming on now. We'll we'll follow wherever you go, and uh, best wishes and, and hope for a lot of success for you down the road. Well, I appreciate that. I will probably uh, we'll see what next year holds. But my intentions right now is to spend some time with a. Uh, with a family that hadn't seen me in 27 years. So uh, maybe get get back and, and really reconnect with what's important. And, uh, you know, you go you go 27 years of raising other people's kids, you know, and so you need to spend some time with your own and uh, all of mine out. But we're on our way. Uh, I'm going to be in Miami, and I'm going to enjoy uh, – um, enjoy things there. I don't want anybody to worry or feel bad for me or feel sorry. No, no, man. This, this is, uh, if you know me, you know, I have a plan. It all work out in the end. And, uh, we'll see if that includes football. That may include, a, another phase of life. I'm not quite sure yet, but, uh, I want, um, both people from both schools understand it. I was never, a hater of either. Uh, I'm a lover of both, and I think they both serve a purpose. And um, I just want to let people know I really appreciate everything that both universities have done for me. And, and um, you know, this last stint with the University of Utah, hopefully it won't be my last in, in Utah. Uh, Tom Mattel and 
We'll see. But I really appreciate you all having me on, and it's always a pleasure. There's Guy Holiday. Thanks to him for coming on. We really appreciate it. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Favors hands to Clarkson. Clarkson will fire a three. Oh my, Jordan Clarkson is shooting at a hula hoop. Clarkson is nine of 12. He's got six threes. Joe swings through O'Neal. He bobbles. Six on the clock. This possession's not going anywhere. Rudy flares at Ingles. He gets in the paint, gives it back to Royce, gets the three off in time, and hits! Rolls Royce! Wow! Left side O'Neal for three. Good, Royce O'Neal, three fourth quarter threes. And the Jazz hit their 18th of the night in 45 attempts. There's the highlights. The last time the Jazz played the Sixers, they beat him. Of course, Embiid did not play in that game. The rematch is tonight, last game before the All-Star break. Jazz are 27-8, and and that is the best record in the NBA and the Sixers are 23-12. and 12. That is the best record in the East. So it's top in the East versus top in the West. And lots of people looking at the Nets and lots of people looking at the Lakers when they're healthy as the best teams in the respective conferences. But right now, these are the teams with the best records in the respective conferences sitting in the top spot. PK, are you ready for a statement game or it's just another one out of 80? 72. 72. 72. 72. Uh, yeah, I think it's a big game under the circumstances. Who wants to go into an all-star break? One and three, losers of three out of four. And I think you had said uh, four out of seven if that would have been yep. the case. Yep. So that's not very good. And with a one and three road trip. So, yeah, I think it's a big game. And if you want to go statement game, I can live with it. It's a statement that will be trumped by other statements later on, and we know that. But since you're going to have to sit and simmer in this result for a week, a little more than that, then uh, it might as well be a win. Game tonight, 5 o'clock. Zones coverage begins at 4 with Jazz Game Night, the pregame show. And then it's off to the All-Star Weekend. Donovan Mitchell's going to face Steph Curry, Devin Booker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Zach Levine in the NBA's three-point shootout this weekend in Atlanta. So some big names there. They got Steph Curry, and I suppose it helps a little bit trying not to take too many people to Atlanta. Maybe they talked a few more stars into it. Because they often seem to sit it out. For what? What are you talking about? For the three-point shootout. Steph Curry's in the three-point shootout. Devin Booker's in. Good guess. Both former champions in that event. Jalen Brown. (laughs) Okay. 20. No, not Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum's 22 today. Yeah. All right. Stars. Well, out Fort Wayne. The Mad Ants. It's a decent, weird nickname. The Mad Ants. They beat the Mad Ants yesterday. 109-93 in the G League. Next to last game of the condensed <laughs> season, we... <laughs> 6 o'clock tonight. Lakeland Magic. Why are we Doc, including are star scores this? all of a sudden? I, don't, I have no idea. <laughs> I was You're... told to include them. So. Oh, there it is. All right, yeah. <laughs> stars in the Lakeland Magic. DJ and PK. I've actually been looking at the box scores, though, just to see – uh, Doak has not been playing, obviously, but uh, to see what Elijah Hughes has been doing. Yeah. And they've been on television a few times during the day, so uh, 
uh, it seems like I'm paying more attention to the G League this year because the games are on television in the day and it's winter and I'm available during the day as opposed to in the evening when there's NBA games on like it is traditionally. Harder to follow the G League under that setup. All right, DJ. Yeah, because you got the other stuff to do. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Suns beat the Lakers 114-104 last night. Phoenix is 15-3 in their last 18 games. They're now in second place in the West by percentage points over the Lakers and half game over the Clippers. And that was a weird game because uh, LeBron had his 38. Kuzma was out. We already know AD is out. And the Suns win, although Trevor Booker got ejected. And they kicked him out. Trevor Booker, wow. Didn't seem like much. How about Devin Booker? Or Devin, yes. <laughs> I put Trevor on there. You put Trevor in there, thank you. And I'll read anything at this hour, you know that. Old Jasmine. Devin Booker, I know, Trevor Booker. I mean, I'm like, Trevor Booker? Uh, Devin Booker got kicked out and it wasn't much. He got one for saying something. He got one for how he threw a bounce pass to a referee. Man, guys have done a lot more than that and not gotten a tee. I don't know if there's some ongoing thing there or somebody's in a bad mood or what. That was pretty quick. Bang, bang. Gone. That bug you? Or you're okay? Stars, you got to behave better. That's basically what Monty Williams said. You're a guy. You can't get kicked out. doesn't matter. You can't. Well, I think it's on uh, the individual to make sure that he doesn't approach anything close to that. Uh, but, yeah, I thought it was a little quick. I didn't understand it. And, I, and the announcers, they were baffled. Jimmy Jackson and whoever the other guy is. Uh, so... Yeah, I thought it was not really fully explained to the viewer, and that's what I was. So it, it didn't make much sense to me. But the the Lakers are stripped down. I mean, you mentioned Kuzman, Anthony Davis, Gasol. He He's was all out didn't go too, either. Yeah. Uh, with so that's going to be hard. And now they're saying that LeBron is going to miss a game, Sacramento. And LeBron is the only Laker who played in every game. So that'll be his first miss of the year. Uh, Kawhi yeah. Leonard missed a game. He was out with back spasms as the Clippers lost to the Celtics, 117-112. to 112. Kimba Walker with 25 as Boston picks up the W and the Clippers slip into fourth place in the Western Conference. Not good, PK. What's going on? Uh, sure, in the short term, not good. But you look at Mr. October, Reggie Jackson, he had a big game. So maybe with the uh, injury situation with Leonard being out, you know, you get some more confidence in playing time for some other guys that you may need in the playoffs. So I could spin that very easily. Spurs beat the Knicks 119-93. Quietly overachieving, at least versus my expectations. Didn't think the Spurs are going to be fifth in the West Quietly. right now. Quietly. No one's talking about Popovich does. Popovich does nothing po- quietly. <laughs> they are fifth uh, percentage points ahead of the Blazers and Nuggets. They're all jammed up there, 5, 6, 7. So maybe they won't last there for long. But they take down the Knicks 119 to 93. Trey Lyles. Governor Popovich. Uh, he doesn't do anything quietly. <laughs> Trey Lyles had 18 for the Spurs there. All right, any of these other games uh, catch your attention? Well, the Nuggets taking down the Bucks oh, sure, probably did. Yeah. 128-97. Jokic, that was a huge stat line. 37 points, 
10 rebounds, 11 assists, his 50th NBA triple-double. And the Nuggets getting I, it together. I couldn't care less about the the triple doubles. It's it's they're beyond me. I don't know. I don't know why you always mention every time somebody has one. But the thing that I see with Denver is I don't think they're going to be eighth. I think they're going to be better. But I I don't understand how anybody wouldn't think they would be dangerous in the postseason when you've got a player of this guy's caliber and players play off of him. I mean, really, he is just absolutely amazing. That to me, they're going to be difficult to be four times. It's probably someone's going to do it, but it's not going to be easy. James Harden's going to play in Houston tonight for the first time since the Rockets traded him to the Brooklyn Nets. He told reporters he hopes to be, quote, received with love. The love and appreciation I've given to that city and that I still give to that city, I'm, I'm hoping the favor can be returned. Nobody wants to be good. Doesn't want to be the bad guy. Well, do they have fans there? Uh, I think they have a small number. Oh, I don't know. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Pac-12 hoops tonight. Utah hosts Oregon State at the Huntsman Center. Makeup game for a game earlier in the year. It's actually been bummed back a couple times. They're going to play at the Huntsman Center 5 o'clock tonight on ESPNU. Oregon State's 9 and 9. The Utes are 7 and 10. So, a couple of middling Pac-12 teams going at it. And for the Utes, chance to pick up a W here, build on that uh, the big win over USC. But it's so up and down. We've said that before. We'll see how it goes. If they win, they get back to 500 on the season. They're 10 and 11 right now. Okay. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. The recruiting pitch was strong and heavy, um, but I, at the end of the day, I just tell my wife, you know, all signs just kind of kept pointing back down here to Arizona. And, and in my short time here on the ground, I can tell you that uh, I'm absolutely pleased and couldn't be happier with my decision. J.J. Watt deciding to become a Cardinal, talking to his wife, former Alta Hawk. For that money, he ought to still be pleased. Can you imagine if the honeymoon was already over? I signed and I already regret it, said no one. I, I don't know. Was it a strict money decision? I, I really don't get into what these guys make, so I, I can't really answer that as, as far as that goes. Dolphins released BYU star Kyle Van Oy. He left New England for Miami in a four-year, $51 million deal, but after one year... He's out. He told the NFL Network, I'm surprised and disappointed. As a captain, I gave my all to the team. I fought through a painful hip injury during the season, including spending a night in the hospital after a game. I was brought here to be a leader, and I know my teammates looked up to me and respected me. I'm looking forward to making an impact on my next team on and off the field. He's already had Patriot teammates tweeting at him to come home. Back to the Pats. See where the, the former Cougar ends up. That was surprising, though, that he got let go. I thought he and the team had Yeah, well, that was his second year with Miami, wasn't it? No. First of the deal, but his second year with Miami. I believe it's just one year in Miami. He's a team captain. That's it? Yeah, that's it. Signed as a free agent, four years, 51 million, got released after one season. Well, you never know with that contract deal with the cap and all that stuff. Uh, Yeah, if he's surprised and disappointed, then I think probably everybody else is too. But... How old is he now? 
He is 29, about to turn 30 later this month. Oh, yeah. So he should still be in the NBA or the NBA, the NFL next season. That, yeah, that's that's good. It's not where he wanted to be. Uh, maybe we'll see what the situation holds if somebody picks him up. Maybe he gets in a better situation. But yeah, if you're going to sign with somebody as a free agent and, and nothing is guaranteed in the NFL, and you think you're going to be there for a couple years at least, and you're gone after one, I can understand his disappointment. Got 15 of the uh, of the 51 million, and he was with the Patriots in 2019. It was just one year. Vikings released 10-year veteran tight end Kyle Rudolph. Move's going to free up $5 million in cap space. Makes him a free agent for the first time. He's 31, so see where he ends up. Trevor Lawrence, presumed top overall pick in the upcoming NFL draft, said his rehab from soldier surgery on his non-throwing shoulder is going better than expected two weeks out from the surgery. Lawrence won, and then maybe a Cougar two. The Jets. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball teams are going to operate alternate sites similar to those used during the pandemic shortened 2020 season. A long expected move that will delay the beginning of the AAA season by at least a month. AAA, which of course is what we've got here with the uh, with the Bees, the Angels affiliate. Triple-A, the highest level of minor league baseball, scheduled to begin April 6th. Going to be pushed back around the same time as Double-A and Class-A are expected to start the first week of May. So, there you go, PK. An adjustment to the B schedule. That's sort of good news, bad news. The bad news is they're not going to have baseball here throughout the the Triple-A. They've they've redone it all. Yep. There's no more Pacific Coast League. They're playing regionally against each other, but I don't, I don't know that the fan really cares about that. So there's not going to be baseball in April. The good news is that April tends to be a, a somewhat of a, a tricky month weather-wise. So a lot of folks don't go out during that time. It usually for it picks up, you know, as the summer progresses and school gets out. But the thing that has got me nervous is that. I, I saw to where they said that it's at least a month, so it could be more. And then, and then that gets in a dangerous situation, and I think we all want to see it out there this summer to have the opportunity. I mean, this past summer was the first summer in years that I haven't been out to the ballpark at least one time, obviously because they didn't have it. So that makes me a little nervous that when they say at least one month, what does that mean going forward? Is it going to be more than that? And if so, how much longer do we go? And so uh, we, I want to have it. Simple as that. So I assume this means all these minor leaguers are in these alternate sites are going to be in the spring training sites. Yeah. And we already yeah, like said that they're doing summer. these short games, seven innings. Some of them shortened up even to five. Uh-huh. Because they don't have the pitching depth because they don't have the minor leaguers in camp. So they'll do their camp late. And then they'll stay in Arizona and Florida for, as you point out, at least a month. All right, that's the news. What's trending brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Tim Lacombe makes his weekly visit. Jazz radio studio analyst, former BYU star, or BYU star, BYU assistant coach, and Utah staffer as well. And Yogi Roth. 
Pac-12 Network Analyst, is here at 9 o'clock. Because who's ready for some spring football, PK? Well, they announced the schedule uh, yesterday, and I think that's a big deal. All right, DJ and PK, coming up, question of the day. We'll set it up. Jazz with a statement game in Philadelphia, or that's overselling it. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes or Toast brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Right now you can, draw, you can get up to $6,000 in purchase allowance on the XT lineup. Experience the luxury you deserve by booking a test drive today at Jerry Seiner Cadillac. All right, question of the morning. Is the Jazz game against the 76ers a statement game? PK, I got to go low-end statement game here because of what we just talked about in the last segment, because they've lost two out of three on this trip and they're three and three in their last six games. If you go into the All-Star game losing three out of four and four out of seven, that's not good. So, yes, they need to. And also, they've got some nice wins recently until you realize that they played teams that weren't full strength and were missing star players. So, do they need to beat a good team that's at full strength? Yes, they beat the Clippers shorthanded, they beat the Lakers shorthanded, they beat the Sixers shorthanded, so this would be absolutely good. But when they come back, there's going to be another road trip, so that's going to trump whatever happens here and reset the mood. And after that, we're going to get to next month, and they're going to play the Lakers twice in three days. And if the Lakers beat them twice in three days, regardless of the records, the Lakers will be thinking, yeah, we won two out of three from you, and we're full strength, we're better than you. Who cares what the record says? We've had injuries. So okay, what's there's, have to do bigger with tonight, statements, there's bigger statements coming. So to me, it's a low-end, well, it's a statement game, okay. but it's a low-end statement yeah. game because these other things are going to be bigger and more important. And we know when we get to them, they're going to be a big deal. I, I think, well, we, well we, we don't know that. But suppose LeBron's not playing. So you can't, you can't say that. You can't say you know that those will be bigger statement games. That sounds good, but you can't say it with any level of accuracy. Because suppose the Jazz have two, three guys out. You have no idea, what, especially in a COVID situation here. So I can't say that at all. What I know right now is Embiid's going to play. And then, well, you just, that's your big knock. Well, they beat the Sixers without Embiid. Well, that. That takes care of this. So if you get this, I can argue this is your best, biggest win of the season. So I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. So I can't, we, I can't say we know in this year. We don't know anything. In fact, we don't even know that Embiid's going to play tonight until we see him walk out <laughs> and they throw the ball up. I do have the my, opening I do, tip. I do have my doubts about NBA injury reports. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I do. I got to admit it. I mean, games have been canceled Literally moments before. Yep. So there's no way I can say we know and fill in the blank. This is a huge game. What else you got for me? It ain't even 7.30 yet? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Look at you. Fired up. <laughs> They're coming back after the break with one home game with Houston, and then they've got and then five. Road trip, yeah. They've got another five-game road trip. Mm-hmm. And so sure. even yeah. if they lose tonight, if they come out of the break and just crush it and they're great coming out of the break, then we're going to say, oh, they were drained. That doesn't really matter. This is what matters. I still think what comes next, and, and you got me if the Lakers, you know, if LeBron's out, then okay, then it won't be the big statement game. But I do think what comes next is going to trump this. Because right now, these last six games are taking the edge off winning 20 out of 21, which is obviously the bigger sample. And there were some quality wins in this. When I was bringing up the rosters yesterday, you're like, yeah, well, Milwaukee had their team, and the Jazz got them. And Jazz swept Milwaukee this year. You know, won both those games. So, yeah, but, I, I but, happen to don't think Milwaukee's all that good. I, I agree. Uh, they're a cut below. They're, they're okay. They're a cut below the, they're the next tier below the, the Sixers and the Nets. But no one really thinks as a three seed they're about to win back to back playoff series and, and go to the conference finals. Right now, it looks like I the don't. other, I didn't the other think they two will meet. Last year, I don't think they'll do it this right. year. The, the Nets should meet the Sixers and the Nets should be favored. So. And then, if I remember correctly, they played uh, Milwaukee without Drew Holiday at one of those times. So you can go back and forth on that. If the Sixers have their guys, this is a huge game. The Sixers are a legitimate contender in the East. Jazz legitimate contender in the West. For the 3rd of March, on Gordon Monson's birthday, it doesn't get any bigger. <laughs> That's a segment coming later this morning. <laughs> what to get Gordon for his birthday. <laughs> Today is his birthday, yes. Wake him up and get so, him on the air, Yach. <laughs> get, the birthday, it's a, get the birthday boy going. He will answer and say, what do you a, want? <laughs> it, it's a big game here. I don't. I the, the reality is in the going forward with the NBA, you don't know who's going to be in or out. I mean, they just announced yesterday Gasol. Not that he's a big time player anymore, but it sort of came out of the blue. And before that, Schroeder had to miss a few games because of this tracing stuff. So you, you have no idea what is going to be down the line, and we don't even know. Maybe in the postseason, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure. Well, your guy says everybody will have the vaccine by the end of May, so that's good news. Uh, if it actually happens. And so uh, maybe that'll take care of it. But for right now, it looks like all the important players are going to play, and the Jazz are stumbling a little bit. They need to regain something. Who wants to go into a a nine-day layoff uh, losing three out of four? Nobody does. Literally no one does. This game is gigantic now that I think about it. It's even (laughs) bigger than I thought. Ten minutes ago. Well, you did an excellent job putting this question up on uh, Facebook. We'll put it out there on uh, Twitter, and you folks can jump on it. Uh, the Facebook listeners, you, you split them right down the middle, which is, uh, you know, you have a knack for that. No, Benjamin says, the Jazz already beat the Sixers. These are the games you mark a split on, so a win is just icing on the cake. Whoa, what, talk about a defeatist attitude. <laughs> no, he's not defeated. He's already he's already declared victory. <laughs> he's like he's declared victory. No, he hasn't. Yes, he has. It's just icing on the cake. Yes, not. We're he said they already beat him once. This is this is icing on the and that's that's a loser mentality. That's not a winner mentality. Going one and one is a winner mentality. 
That'll get you precisely nowhere. Could you imagine, MJ? Yeah, we already beat these guys earlier, so this really doesn't matter. We're a winner either way as we lose this game. And he punches Steve Kerr in the face. Get out of town, man. I, I automatically Jeez. see Jordan sitting in a chair with an iPad in his lap and his eyebrows going up. <laughs> it's automatically raising the eyebrows. Jonathan and the Stewart. unedited version on ESPN, he just dropped the F-bomb. Jonathan Stewart, no. At this point, there are no statement games until June. It'd be a nice game to win, wrong. though. Wrong. He just backdoored it. Wrong, It'd be a nice wrong, game to win, wrong. though. <laughs> at this point, that's the very reason why it makes it a big game, because we're at this point where they are 1-2 and two on a road trip. This is the point where they need to win. If is it seven thirty yet? Jeez, it is. It's seven thirty-two. If the Jazz uh, finally, lose, man. If the Jazz lose by double digits, which could happen, maybe a statement game for all the wrong reasons. Mark says, "Ooh, ooh, Mark." What does that mean? Well, the statement is the Jazz just aren't that good. Then that makes it a huge statement game for all reasons. You can't. No, you do, you just don't have a statement game for the wrong reasons. That's not fair to if you win. So you're only, it's only going to be a statement game if you lose. If, but if you win, if, no, no, no. Come on, if, Mark. You grew up in a culture that preaches fairness, and that is wrong, wrong, wrong. We both know it. Repent ye. <laughs> okay. He grew up in a culture that preaches fairness, but he left it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, see, here it is. I'm a, he's from South Jordan. He went to Bingham High. He went to Southern Utah University. But he now lives in North Dakota. Uh, is it, how do you say that town? Minot? Mino? M-I-N-O-T? I've read it, but I haven't read it. Said. Oh, Minot. Minot. Is it Minot? Okay. He, he's now a journalist at the Minot Daily. He's a journalist at the Minot Daily News. All right. It's naturally. Well, suspicious. I'm glad he's left our state then. I, I disagree <laughs> with him completely. Local paper. Good job, sir. <laughs> Uh, there are people on board. Uh, Troy and Dane just give the uh, give the question of the day a simple yes. Is the Jazz game against the 76ers a statement game? Yes. Period. Right. Yeah. I bet you that's Channel 4's Dane Green. Yeah, I bet it isn't. <laughs> We've got to explain the backstory. He won one of those awards, and I think it was the D News that listed him as Dane Green, or was it the, yeah. was it the Watchdog? I, I don't know. Who had him at Dane yeah. Green. <laughs> I didn't even have his name right. <laughs> Dana Green, Sportscaster of the Year. My fellow gaucho. And they butcher Dane Green. Yeah. Yeah, we had a uh a photographer that worked at the uh watchdog and he got an all state in football and he still he showed it to me, he showed me a picture of it. They presented him with the award. The the watchdog presented him with the award and they had his name spelled wrong. Thought it was funny. <laughs> So, good old Dane Green. This is a big game. This is gigantic, man. I'm inviting friends over. Party at the Kinahans. Pizza? Well, no, it's gonna not. No, it's not a party. No, no, you got it completely wrong. It, it's going to be one of those where we hunker down and we take notes and we're intense. This isn't a party. And no. We- party is when you don't really care about the outcome and you're just going to have a good time. No. We're going to live and die by each possession and pray that Clarkson makes his first shot. That's a good sign. 
<laughs> Jump on them early. Monte says, statement game? Yeah, for sure they are not going to want to lose again. No. See, that's where does the opponent, does the opponent really matter? I mean, if they were playing, I don't know, pick somebody yes, at the bottom yes, of the standings, does. they'd want the win because they've lost. You could be playing top of the league, middle of the league, bottom of the league, but you don't want to lose three out of four. No, I mean, they would want the win if they won, so the that doesn't matter. No, then when you play better teams, it's just logical that there's a little more oomph to the game. I mean, it doesn't – that. come on, I don't need to argue that, do I? Well, it's 7.30, past 7.30, so yeah, go ahead. Well, I know, I mean, I just I, – it's unfair for you to have me win seven arguments before <laughs> 7.30. <laughs> Eric says it's absolutely a statement game. You get blown out in this game, heading to the break, losing four of six, well, seven, and you might be looking at a major slide. Just wondering, did the Jazz continuity give them an early advantage that is now going yes. away? Yes. Frank Vogel. Well, I don't think there's any question that Frank, it did. Frank Vogel brought that up. He said it's not just a Jazz thing. He says there's always teams in the NBA that have more and less continuity, and the teams that have more continuity usually get off to a good start, and that advantage usually goes away over the course of a season as the other teams build that familiarity with their new guys getting used to playing together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was listening to Phoenix Radio yesterday, and they were previewing the Laker game, and Jared Dudley used to play in Phoenix, and he's, he's one of these totally meaty-friendly guys, so he came on their air uh, day of game. And they were asking him about the teams in the West. And he went right to that. And he put Utah, asked him, you know, obviously we know about the Lakers, so you don't need to tell us about the Lakers. Tell us about the other teams. And he went right to Utah, and then he went right down the list. They returned everybody. The only guy they didn't return, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's very close, the only guy they didn't return was Favors, but he's a Utah guy. And so he, he knew it, obviously. So, of course, that and they don't need to apologize for that. That's not anything that it gives them an advantage, but that's just smart management. That's nothing to where you could say, wow, yeah, sure, they just built this sterling record on familiarity. Well, to an extent they did, but it's certainly more than that. I mean, just you can bring back, if the, if the Minnesota Timberwolves brought back everybody this year, would they be anywhere close to this? No, because they suck. So... It, it's nothing that they need to apologize for by any stretch, and certainly it's helped them. But I think the overwhelming reason is the talent that they have that they brought back, not the fact that they just brought back players. It's like I've been saying this for years about college football. Don't tell me, well, just because somebody was a freshman and now he's a sophomore, he's automatically better. No. There's every reason to believe he can be better, but it's not automatic. It's something that the individual has to work for. Just because you return something doesn't mean that something is better simply by another year. You have to you can't just rely on that. You have to rely on how that can benefit you along with the hard work to get to that point. Brendan tweets at us. Yes, it's a statement game. For the rest of the NBA, more than the Jazz. The Jazz beat a shorthanded Clippers team but lost them at full strength. They beat a shorthanded Sixer team. Can they beat them at full strength? Yeah, I think they can. Because if Simmons goes for 42 like he did, then no. 
because Embiid probably is going to go for at least a low 20s, if not higher. So what I'm counting on is Embiid's return reduces the uh, opportunity to be as effective as Simmons was. Maybe I'm wrong on that, and that's the intriguing part to see how that plays out and how does Rudy go against uh, Embiid because Embiid's a prolific offensive player. I mean, I would, as uh, far as centers, I would still go with Jokic as being number one. But Embiid is a decent second for sure. He's a very good second. He's better than a decent second. He's a very good second because he could do just about everything too. Um, they don't run the offense through him the way the Nuggets do with Jokic, so he's not going to have the level of assists and therefore the almighty triple-double. But he's capable of going for 40 himself because he can step out too. He can put the ball on the floor. He can do just about anything you need an offensive center to do so that makes this matchup extremely intriguing in a one-on-one basis to see what the Jazz do as far as Gobert because you know you don't want Gobert too far from the hoop and all that stuff and how do they plan that I can't imagine that the Sixers would simply have Embiid as a decoy he's too good so we're not going to just have Embiid stand out there to draw Rudy from the hoop we're going to have Embiid to stand out there to be productive Simmons had the 42 against the Jazz on 26 mm. shots, which is easily his season high. The next right, highest right, total right. he had was 17. He usually is in that uh, yeah. 12, 13 shots a game range. So this is going to be different. You know, Embiid's yeah. going to get his. He's not a decoy. He's going no. to get the ball, and it is going up. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to look different. I mean, the game plan is going to be really different for the Sixers. There's no way that... Simmons is going to go out there and get 26 shots if Embiid's on the floor. This is not going to happen. This is one of these games we had circled. Now, we've had a few games circled in the first half, but they haven't materialized as much. Like, we had the Laker game. uh, It was a week ago tonight, wasn't it? We had that game as circled, and then we find out Anthony Davis is out, so it takes the luster off of it, and we've already spoken about the prior Clipper game. But we've had games circled, and you could circle the Milwaukee games too. And I think this is one of the highlights of the first half of the season. Of course it was. And here it is. And it looks like the most important players are going to play. That by that very nature, even if the Jazz had won, uh, say they had gone 3-0 on this road trip, it doesn't make this game any less important. This is one of these games that the league... And the followers of the league are going to look at, for sure. That's, and I don't think we have to just go and, and try to say, oh, well, it counts as one in the standings. I get all that. And that's true. But nevertheless, we look at certain games, and they seem to matter more. We looked at Utah football schedule came out yesterday. All right, so if we look at that and go, wow, it's just one game, blah, 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 then you're telling me the Arizona game and the SC game, Yeah, I get it. Both are one game in the standings. But the implications of that game have way more oomph to it than simply beating the U of A whenever they play them. I wondered what word you were going to go. It has way more, and I'm like, oh, here comes the PK, the journalist vocabulary. Oomph. I like it. Oomph. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have more uh, meaning in the standings. Now, it can because, you know, if SC is your tied and you own the tiebreaker, particularly in the college football, you know, when, when tiebreakers seem to be way more prevalent because they only play nine games in the conference or 
in this case, five games in the division. So obviously the opportunity for tiebreakers have more importance. In a 72-game schedule, probably don't have any, and then particularly when the team is from the other conference. Because I'm sure say. if you told the Jazz, well, we'll get you to the finals, but we'll have to give the Sixers home court. Do you think you'll take that? Sign, sign me up. I'm in. Yeah. And right. the same, and the same for the Sixers. If either one yes. of these teams gets the NBA Finals, it's a really good year. Neither one of these teams has been in the Finals recently, so that'd be a big deal for either franchise. Yes, it is a big game for the league tonight. I would say. I mean, how many games have more have more juice? Oomph. I mean, oomph. the Lakers are going to more oomph. The Lakers are going to be shorthanded, so that that takes a little of the oomph out. Uh, Warriors Blazers, pretty no. good game. They're both over five hundred. A uh, good game, but not to the level of Sixers Jazz. And the Nets and the Rockets. The Rockets are terrible. That's mostly about Harden going back to Houston. And yeah. I hope he's received with love. <laughs> you and James both. <laughs> you and your Sun Devils. You don't really care how he's received. <laughs> I hope. Yeah, but it matters to him. Stick up for your devil. There you go. Yeah, and I think he's felt bad about the way he left. He got what he wanted. He voiced that. He got, not he did, o- not only I, did he get out, he got to the one team he wanted, because I assume the rest of the league is like, well, we'd like to, but we don't dare. What if he does here what he did there? What if he's going to do this until he gets to the net? So, I, you know, it's, <laughs> I can't believe he pulled it off, but he did. <laughs> I understand. But he's still he, – he committed a lot to, to Houston – and that's where he really blossomed as an NBA player for sure. They, and yeah. I think he feel he knows it was uh, it, the good thing for him is it was relatively short as far as the messiness, the length of, that it took. It was almost like you know metaphorically it was overnight. Where you have others that it, it drags on. They send you home sometimes on that situation. Uh, we've seen that, or it just lingers like the Hayward thing lingered the whole friggin' year. You know, is he going to leave? And then it ends up being messy at the end. It was it was not a clean departure, and but yet it lingered the whole season, whereas for Harden, it was basically a week or two, and boom, he's gone. So I think he feels a little bit bad for that. And plus he knows that Houston sucks now, and his situation's way better. I mean, the bottom line is Sun Devils have compassion. DJ PK... For you early risers, we talked about the youth schedule late in the day, but uh, in the show yesterday. But we'll get to that coming up next. And then Tim McComb here to talk statement games and jazz at 8.05. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Tim Lacombe, you can do everything perfect against this Jazz team, but they really do have the versatility to flip your script on you and hurt you in other ways. That's the part of this I've been really impressed with Quinn and his staff is they have a game plan in place, and where Quinn has been unbelievably good is they get into that locker room and they come out in the third quarter and they have seen what this team's doing, maybe some wrinkles they didn't prepare for, and the Jazz have been so good coming out of the half. It does take a great effort to beat this team, and you know, that's just to beat them one time. You get into a series, we all know how those series go. It's all momentum, but at the end of the day, the deeper team uh, and more talented team obviously will prevail, so that bodes well for the Jazz. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Friday at the warehouse from 2 to 6 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. 
Oh, an early morning boom, which I'm never against. The more booms you can get, the better off we'll all be. DJ and PK, the Pac-12 schedule is out. Yogi Roth will be here in about an hour to talk about this. And I've dissected the, it every which way. You have dissected it. Everybody always wants mm-hmm. to know, well, when is the Ute game? Well, the Ute game's kind of early. October 9th with a bye week in front of it. Two weeks. For SC you're talking about? You mean USC? Because you said the Ute game. Oh, sorry. Yes, the Utes have a bye to get ready for the USC yes. game. <laughs> I should have never taken that. I figured, you know, he's a Cougar, so he was talking from the Cougar perspective. This I should have true. never taken that. I took a nap yesterday, and I could not go to sleep. Now I'm gassed like it's a Monday morning. I'm having a, I'm having a, I'm having a morning. Should have never taken like that nap. Bucks. How long is the nap? Too long. It's over an hour. Oh, see, I can only go about twenty minutes. I would have been in better shape if I had slept twenty minutes. But enough of uh, my problems. Well, <laughs> truth be told, yeah, I was smack dab in the middle of my twenty minutes when you called me yesterday. Oh, really? Terrible timing. So I'm even more on fire. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm a cougar. Fine, I said it. <laughs> but so yesterday was Tuesday. Monday. My little uh, 15-year-old, about to be 16 here in a couple of weeks, uh, is doing track for Brighton and had to pick her up at uh, 445. Well, at 445, I was dreaming of sunshine and rainbows (laughs) over in Hawaii. (laughs) So so I was a little late picking her up. But as she told me, all good, all good. (laughs) All right. She gave you a pass. I just it was a nice day, so it was more time to socialize. And she's a little social creature, so it worked out. So, other takeaways from the schedule, because the first thing people always want to know is when is Utah going to play USC? If the Utes are going to win the South, they got to get past USC. They have not won in the Coliseum yet. Well, there's a they short don't have to. There's a short. You don't have to. There's a short checklist of things they haven't done in the conference, and winning you on the Coliseum to. is on the checklist. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they haven't done it yet. Obviously, they've had some real close games. They came within an inch. Uh, Troy Williams just barely didn't get the two-point conversion. Uh, we remember a few years about, ago. Yep. And I got back to the hotel that night. PK, did you see Darren Carrington was wide open in the back of the end zone? <laughs> and, and I bled with the guys a little bit. They were Ute fans staying in the same hotel. Uh, and it was a heck of a game. They've had some great games against those guys uh, for sure. I mean, last time down there wasn't was their only loss that season, and uh, two years ago, and it was of the regular season anyway. It was definitely their worst game because they went eight and one. So uh, yeah, and and they had the coaches on, and Kyle was on there, and I knew he'd spin it. Yep, that bye week that comes right if you include the uh, two days. That's right in the middle. I mean, they can have the bye week the first week of the season. Yep, that gives us some opportunity to get refreshed for the long term. It's a perfect time. He'll spin anything as any coach would do. The bye week's the bye week. Uh, who really cares when it comes? I mean, you don't know. What, what's going to be? Maybe uh, you need somebody to get healthy. You probably need somebody to get healthy at any point. I would prefer to have it in the middle of the regular season if I had my choice, but you take it whenever they give it to you. So the fact that they have an opportunity to prepare a little bit extra for SC, uh, that, that's good. I, I can't say it's not. I don't know that it's going to be making the difference between winning and losing. 
So, I mean, we already know who they were going to play. We just didn't know the order. We knew the order of the non-conference, uh, and there's no reason why they don't go 3-0 and with Weber, uh, BYU, and San Diego State. And San Diego State is not, as we discussed yesterday, for those folks need to realize that's not a road game because they're playing in Carson two hours away. Nobody plays two hours away from your uh, home field. I, I, that's never been done. I don't know why in the world. I would've, they they would have been better off going with junior colleges for all I care or for what I've locally but nevertheless they chose to go Carson two hours away only only about 10 minutes away from where I used to live and for Jake Scott I want him to know that I did live in California and Jake is jealous that I live in California he took shots at me when we had David Aldridge that I told him that we both of us were from California meaning we didn't grow up here so we were introduced to the culture in the 90s but Jake made fun of me on his show and the only thing I can think of, he's jealous that you and I lived in the Golden State, and he didn't. But nevertheless, playing in Carson is not a true road game, so there's no reason why they don't go 3-0 and zero as they usually do. And then it's on. Washington State, uh, they should uh, have an opportunity there, and they have an opportunity to be successful this season for sure. The conference, speaking from the conference perspective, and we'll hit this with Yogi, it's why I wanted to talk to him about it, 9-11 is a gigantic day for the Pac-12 as the Pac-12 continues to strive for what? Regain relevance? Stay relevant? What level do you want to put the scale of relevance on there? Well, the the second week, which is 9-11, obviously uh, BYU and Utah play, uh, Cal or uh, no Colorado A&M. Uh, Oregon, Ohio State, uh, Cal at TCU, Washington at Michigan. So that's a big, big weekend for the conference. They win all of those games, then that's going to be a huge shot in the arm. They lose all those games, and that's going to be a major blow. Uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on is we had Guy Holiday on at 8 o'clock yesterday, you know, and I know there's a lot of people wondering, you know, why, why did this happen? How did it happen? Where are they going from here? I think it's just uh, talking to people after they heard Guy talk, uh, just wonder if he – and you brought this up, PK. <laughs> you, were on, you were on track but just a little off the mark. Well, possibly. It's a story of my life. We'll really have to really see how – well, down. you said listening to him talk, he's the kind of guy like the governor should hire him. There has got to be some kind of job that he would be perfect for for the state. And people were pointing out to me that um, – you know, he mentioned the school president. Wide receiver coaches don't interact with a school president. Now, she's the outgoing president. She's going to be leaving. They're going to have a new president. But, yes. you know, he's been taken care of here. He referenced that uh, he's he's probably not coaching this coming year. And, uh, you know, somehow Kyle has taken care of him. I don't know within the football budget what exactly has been worked out. But he was clearly grateful for something. And and thanking the president, you know, Recruiting is a young man's game, and he talked about his health. Now, he did talk about other jobs. And, you know, if you have a year away from the game, everybody has the right to change their mind, so he might go into coaching, but it just wouldn't be shocking after listening to that interview. And you can go back and listen to it wherever you get podcasts. Listen to that interview and ask yourself if you would be surprised if he ended up working at the U in some other role. And I, I don't know what that role would be, um, but something. You know, and I don't 
think it's maybe it is, but I don't think it's nailed down yet. I think it's, but I think there's some discussion or some opportunity out there uh, a year from now. But it sounds like you take a year off. But I don't know. Leave that leave that door open and keep seeing uh, see if he walks through it in a year. Yeah, maybe he'll change his mind. He'll want to coach. You know, he's he said he had a couple of NFL NFL offers. So who knows what he'll want to do in a year? But so what you could say is Guy Holiday is walking through that door. It just might. It just might happen. Predicting the future is a tricky thing, but I would. Uh, I would leave that on the table. And the way he's. Well, that'd be great about, for him if that's yeah. what he wants. Yeah, the way I mean, whatever he wants, that's what I want for him. Right. This uh, the way he spoke about the university. Uh, you know, I had multiple people point out. You, you got to leave that door open. So, all right, DJ and PK. When we come back, uh, Tim Lacombe. Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, former BYU assistant coach, he is going to join us, and we'll find out if he thinks tonight is a statement game. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network Analyst, to talk youth football and Pac-12 schedule coming up at 9 o'clock. Stay with us. PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Tim Lacombe, Utah Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, former BYU assistant coach and a Utah staffer. Tim, good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you guys. Normally, we have you on and ask you about the greatness of the Jazz. But now, they've gone one and two on a road trip, and they were three and three in their last six. (gasps) Should people be panicking, gasping, or... It's all fine, about to iron it out, about to beat Philly in a statement game, and you're feeling good, actually, because of uh, how mad Quinn looked on the postgame. Um, you know what? It's uh, the, the, the last couple of games, obviously, I think they speak to, um, and I don't know if it's mental fatigue, physical fatigue, but, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever been runners, but, you, you know, you get out pick your spot and start your run and everything's great. And the minute you see your destination, it's when it becomes really difficult to finish. And uh, I I think that, you know, they're seeing right now the break, they're seeing the barn. Uh, I think it's human nature to, to ramp it down. It's amazing how many games it condensed into, uh, you know, most of the time you're playing four games a week, counting Sundays, so it's been it's been a crazy good stretch. Uh, I don't necessarily take a whole lot of of you know concern from it, but I think my biggest my biggest take is defense, the defensive uh, execution, energy, effort, whatever you want to call it. There's been some slippage there, and I do think that that is the linchpin to this team. I think that. It has to be, you know, defense kind of makes everything else okay. Um, and I think that they've just got to tighten down some some things defensively and, and get back to having that be something that across the board is really, really important. So the flip side being you don't have much concern on the offense, figure that the offense is going to be there most games, if not all games, in one form or another, so they'll be able to score? Yeah, I think I think they've got plenty of of weapons offensively, and they got a great identity. 
And, you know, even the other night in the loss, they got 43 threes up. Um, it was just uh, it was really frustrating. It was very similar to the Miami game in terms of not being able to get or string together stops. And, um, you know, it's, it seemed like for a good part of that second half, uh, New Orleans was taking the ball, doing whatever they wanted with it, getting wherever they wanted, and scoring. Um, and you know the Jazz put up some some crazy good fight, and, and really, as opposed to letting that thing get totally out of hand, just like they have the competitive effort and juices there. It's just uh, to me, it's just kind of locking in um, more to the game plan because I think the game plans have been dead on and doing a better job of just making defense the, the number one priority. So is the biggest problem on defense just guys on the perimeter staying in front of their guy? You know, I, I think that's a simplistic version of it. But, you know, the, if you take the New Orleans game the other night, um, majority of the night they had a, a non-shooter, um, you know, and I know Ball's actually gotten better, So, but I'm talking about Adams' guy. Uh, whoever's guarding Adams, you know, is imperative. Quinn talks all the time about offensive spacing, but defensive spacing is just as important. And you know, if you if you get too strung out, uh, or you 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 know you kind of byproduct of being too strung out or, or not in the right spot, you give up. You know, a drive is is on the guy who's getting driven, and but it's also on the guy who supposed to be kind of in a presentation or a protection uh, stance and, and be able to show a crowded floor to the guy with the ball in his hand. So I think, you know, Quinn mentioned a little bit of that in the post game, but I think more than anything, it's, it's attention to detail. It's focus. Um, again, I don't think the jazz are, are physically fatigued per se, but I think there's a whole lot of mental fatigue um, and a lot of things that, you know, human nature, you got one game left and you got a week off. Um, it's hard to always attack those last few the way you did the first few. Well, can I argue you have a week off, so give me everything you got on this game because you don't have to play again for another nine days. I, I, I'm totally with you. 100% with you. And, and I think with Philly, it being Philly tonight um, and, you know, the first half they've had and, Obviously, we'll see if Embiid plays. I would imagine he will be in at home. But, um, you know, I, I think the Jazz will have will have a ton of, of energy going into this one. Also, Philly played him really good here. Um, so I, I think that, you know, the last two losses were a byproduct of what I talked about. Um, but I think today will be interesting because the focus – is really on one game and you know let's see let's see what kind of defensive energy and effort i just think it's so important because we've talked you know ad nauseum about how good this team is offensively and i think you know part of the reason they very rarely get beat very badly is they have that ability to stay with the team even when they're not getting stops um but this team's calling card has been like 10-0 runs and its ability to hold that other team to a zero and that Miami game and this New Orleans game, it was just different because they were scoring and it didn't seem to really bother the guys on the court. And that's different than what I've watched the rest of the year. So they've just got to they've just got to tighten some things down more than anything. 
So when you uh, when you watch the defense, are there a couple guys that you really key off who started, or is it a whole group thing? No, I think it's more a group thing. I, I think um, you know, I think Rudy is the guy most nights that's going to be in the right spot, and he's kind of the captain of that defense. He's calling out coverages in ball screen. Um, I really do believe it's just the difference between, uh, you know, and part of it, DJ, is guarding your guy, guarding your yard, guarding a guy two feet either way. Because if you can do that, then help is really not needed anyway. But very few guys in the NBA, you know, with as powerful and as talented as as players are, can consistently do that. And so that's why you need help. And all those help guys got to be in the right spot. And then the other piece of it is the Jazz got to do a great job of finishing possessions, you know, not giving up. They've, They've been dominant on the class. It's been one of the areas you look at. And New Orleans beat them by 14 on the glass. So to me, it's just an absolute um, flip of what really has made them good. I think them being, you know, the best defensive team in the league and the best rebounding team in the league has really caused for most of the first half uh, has caused the, the offense to get all sorts of easy opportunities out on the open floor. And really what we've seen in the Miami and New Orleans game is a lot of those are cut down because they're just not getting out and running, getting out and rebounding, and defense isn't starting all that stuff for the offense. So what can they do, or do you have much concern, maybe is a better question, as far as Joe Ingles uh, when Conley's back? You know, when Conley's out, Joe's been really, really good. Then he had a goose egg the other night there uh, in that loss and didn't do much of anything. And so I'm wondering, you know, is there is there a level of concern that Joe is not involved as much? And then he has been pretty good, but I can argue that Monday night was his least involved game of the season. Yeah, it was weird. Not to, it, it didn't seem like he was even there. Um and Jake and I commented about this. I think, um, you know, with Conley kind of coming and going, it really, more than anything, it affects Joe because Joe gets in a rhythm. And, you know, he's had plenty of good games coming off the bench. And he's been really aggressive, and he's made things happen, you know. Um, the the times where, you know, like there's an extended absence or, or like this last one where where Mike missed a couple. I think it's hard on Joe to get back into a rhythm of to what he, you know, what, what his role is that day. I don't think the role changes whether he starts or comes off the bench, but I think that's something to watch because I actually made that comment the other day that, you know, Mike can kind of come in and go, um, and everybody else can kind of build around it. Joe's Joe's a real luxury to be out of a guy that you can really feel comfortable putting in the starting lineup on a whim and he's going to go out and do a great job. So I think that's just something to monitor. I, I don't worry about it because, like you said, PK's had big games on both sides of it, where he's been the, the starter, where he's come off the bench. I think more than anything, it's maybe those transitive times where, you know, Conley's been gone for a little bit, Mike's gotten in, or sorry, uh, Joe's gotten into a role, and then that changes quickly. And I don't know how great, you know, Joe is at trying to, 
to juggle that because he's always such a team dude. Um, but that would be my only that would be my only insight on that is, is it's typically one of those transitions that, you know, sometimes he gets a little bit lost. It just seems like when Conley is out, it's either he or Donovan who's going to initiate the offense. That means a lot more pick and rolls for Joe to run. He's going to get shots and he's going to get assists. But when he goes to that bench unit, especially going back to what you said earlier, if they're not running, then he's not working his magic in transition. And if they're in a set offense, there's a lot of possessions where he's in the corner and Jordan Clarkson's working his magic. Well, if Jordan's working his magic, the odds of Joe getting the ball, getting a shot, his guy's not leaving him to help. I mean, he's, they're just not. So he's pretty much on track for a goose egg. He's going he's gonna to look pretty passive sitting in the corner, but I just don't know that that's going to change. Jordan's been made too big an impact to take the ball out of his hands, so you're in the corner watching. I think there's probably, there's probably some time you can carve out. I mean, that's what's beautiful about this team is there's a couple different guys. I mean, that really is a luxury. You know, you think of, of the years, if Stockton didn't have the ball in his hands, um, we weren't really initiating offense, uh, and and that's I love how that game's changed. And there's plenty of guys that can initiate it. I think Joe's really really valuable in the pick and roll, and much like um, you know you see sometimes when say Bojan's struggling in the very first play of the game, uh, Quinn does a great job of running a play for Bojan to get him going, get him a basket. There may be something to that with Joe. Um, you know when he comes into the the game, whether, you know, as you mentioned, as he's starting, he's getting a lot of those opportunities. But coming off the bench, it may not be a bad thing to, you know, get him a couple of ball screens right out of the shoot just to get him acclimated and, and get him seeing things and get him kind of on attack. As far as college goes, how much do you have BYU beating Gonzaga by next week in the West Coast title game? Oh, man, I'm still working on the number. Um, I do think that the um, even though Gonzaga's number one and in, in with Baylor, you know, uh, losing the game, they're kind of number one by a ways. So I think the gap between BYU and Gonzaga throughout the year has has really lessened. Um, I don't know that I'm ready to to call a win yet. Um, I, I got, I know I got some time to sit on that, but. <laughs> I will say I love the way BYU's playing right now. Um, I think that, you know, Harm's got Defensive Player of the Year, and I think that that's the piece that I talked about from the beginning. Is he's just he's kind of a game-changer in that league. You don't see uh, guys, you know, unless they're from Gonzaga, you don't see guys affect the, the paint that much. Um, so I think Harms is, is a guy who is kind of a neutralizer rim guy. Um, but I think Barcel has just been on a torrid pace, and, and Averett's been great, and Loner has played his best basketball of the year. Um, so I think BYU's trending up, whereas Gonzaga's obviously been up for a long time. Um, but I don't think it's totally out of the question, especially on a neutral site with no fans. That'll be interesting to see. So the... Aztecs and the Rams are tied atop the Mountain West, a half game in front of the Aggies and a game up on the Broncos. How many teams are getting in? Which ones have a better chance? Has anybody locked anything up, or is everything in the balance here in the final week in the conference tournament? No, I think that's where we are there. Um, 
I'm surprised to see Boise get beat last night um, at home to Fresno. Uh, so they've kind of hit the skids. And uh, Utah State's going to have to go do what Utah State does, win the tournament to get in. Is that what you guys feel like? Well, I wondered if you thought they could get in by getting to a conference final, if that was good enough, because they'd get another quality win. Now they have to take another loss, too, so that might sink them. You know, them. I don't know. Um, there's so many. I like. I was talking to Eugene this night, and he's at St. Louis, and he was getting packed for the uh, for their tournament. And, you know, he's sitting there because they're on the bubble. They, they had an unbelievably good start. They got COVID, and they were awful coming out of COVID, uh, like most teams have been. So I think what's interesting is the number of teams that really are bubble on the bubble this year, even teams that haven't played a full slate of games. Uh, it's, that's going to be the interesting piece of this. And so I think it is important. I, I would, if I were at the Aggies, there was no way I would be comfortable unless I freaking won, won that thing. And, and what's great about it is Craig's done that, you know, done it two years in a row. Now he may may need to see if he could get Sam Merrill to come and change his number and name and see if anybody will notice um, because Sam was kind of instrumental in winning those things. But uh, that, that's what the, in my mind, that's what the Aggies got to do. They got to, they got to go on a big run and they, you know, why not go down and win the thing? If they're going to hold the tournament, you might as well win it. That line, never Pope is for, pro- that, that line never worked for me, but maybe it will <laughs> for them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know who would uh, use that. Is Pope all in every year on all these transfers? I mean, you you look at it, man. He's starting four of the five guys are transfers. Well, you know the thing that that Mark said he'd do, and and so far he's doing is uh, you know he's going to do things a little bit different, and I think that his. Uh, his approach of beginning players in there and mixing them has been awesome. And I think really the hurdle to, to transfers is really kind of been lifted because, you know, the way that they're talking, I mean, transfers are going to be a huge part of everything. The one piece they probably need to, to take away if they're going to open up transfers to everybody, one time transfer anywhere, you probably need to stop having handshake lines because that is just an absolute meet and greet networking area. Our <laughs> coaches can be like, man, I really like what you did. In fact, you look great in these unis. Um, here's my card. <laughs> I guarantee coaches are going to carry cards in the line. And the coach of the current team will be like, walk back, he'll have a stack of cards and be like, oh no, they're coming after him too. Um, so the only guy but, you'd trust in the handshake line would be Steve Alford then, because he'd probably be airing guys out. Well, yeah. I mean, the bottom line with Steve is he didn't tell you the truth. You know, <laughs> he ain't gonna he ain't gonna try to. He, he told Tevin R exactly what he thought of him. Um, but anyway, I, I forgot where we were going. Uh, transfers, and so I I think that you know the one thing Mark's done he's done a great job of of understanding what the you know the local fishing hole and and the understanding that you got to get the best players around here. But, you know, he just went and signed a kid. They just went and signed a kid from Africa. Um, and they're doing a great job of of, of figuring that out. Um, I know there's some things changing at BYU, too. You know, they're they're not as sticky about a guy having a little bit of facial hair or, uh, 
you know, I think that things are maybe relaxing a little bit. And so, if you know, time kind of fixes everything. And I'm all in on whatever Mark's doing because he's doing a, a really, really good job. And the level of basketball is awesome. Well, Tim, as always, we appreciate it. We will uh, we'll hear you on the broadcast tonight, the Jazz and the Sixers. What, can I get you guys' take first? What, did Jazz win tonight or lose tonight, DJ? I think Quinn was pretty furious. I think he's going to be into him. I, I'm going to give him a W tonight. I thought his post game that was, that was not a Quinn we see very often. And that will be, a I mean, a monumental W, you know, going into the break. This team's really good and well, well thought of and, there seems to be some kind of bad blood between the two. I don't know why, but it's kind of fun. Monumental W's. That's what I'm after every day in my life. Yeah, but are you going to get it? Unlike the golf course when you play with me. Well, that's oh, wait, you did like beat me. Strokes a hole. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was a monumental W for you. But what are the Jazz going to win tonight? <laughs> they're going to win. Of course they're going to win. They're going to win by 22. Mark it down. Book it. Go to Windover now. All right, I'm filling up my tank in about 10 minutes. You guys need anything okay. from out there? Meet me in Tooele. All right. When it's only we... 20 miles out, 700 miles back, <laughs> whatever the ad says. <laughs> Wendover, Wendover, send Timmy right over. <laughs> yeah, you know I'll have to sit and play blackjack if I do that. Tim, as always, we appreciate it. And uh, you don't have long pregame show at 4 today. I know. Early yeah, that side. means I get home earlier. So, yep. All right, guys. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Tim. Tim McComb, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst. Join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network Analyst, coming up at 8. Or at 9, sorry. Pre-game starts at 4. So yeah. on Monson's birthday, he's only got to work two hours. Yeah. What a, what a gig. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Tim Lacombe, you can do everything perfect against this Jazz team, but they really do have the versatility to flip your script on you and hurt you in other ways. That's the part of this I've been really impressed with Quinn and his staff is they have a game plan in place, and where Quinn has been unbelievably good is they get into that locker room and they come out in the third quarter and they have seen what this team's doing. Maybe some wrinkles they didn't prepare for, and the Jazz have been so good coming out of the half. It does take a great effort to beat this team, and you know, that's just to beat them one time. You get into a series, we all know how those series go. It's all momentum, but at the end of the day, it's a deeper team, uh, and more talented team, obviously, will prevail, so that bodes well for the Jazz. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought you in part by Zero Res. Dirt, dust, dander, and allergens. No match for Zero Res carpet cleaning. Want the contaminants gone? Call Zero Res. Right now, just $33 per room to get your carpets Zero Res clean. Minimum supply. Call them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online. Zero Res carpet cleaning. PK, what do you get the guy who has everything? What do you get Gordon on his birthday? The guy who even has a short radio uh, show on his birthday. I, I think, I don't know where you purchase it, but I'd probably get him a clue. Oh, wow. It's on, huh? You trying to get it's him to call in? With me. 
It's never off. What do you mean it's on? <laughs> Sometimes it's off. Yeah, when I sleep for those three and a half hours. A clue. <laughs> uh, I guess maybe a printed newspaper. Boy, Ooh. what a dinosaur, huh? Old school. Yes. Kids Old back in the day. <laughs> there were what a people, remarkable transition. There were people driving around the neighborhood throwing paper in a plastic bag on your driveway. Before that, there were kids. I used to do that. There were kids on bikes before that. I did that. Yeah. Well, I guess you're right. Well, occasionally, sometimes my parents would take me. Uh one time we saw a horrific accident. I delivered the Persephone Daily Record, which was an afternoon paper. And uh, so I would do, I would walk around and do it. And I had a bag. You know, you'd put the mm-hmm. papers, you'd fold them up, put them in the bag, and put the bag around your shoulder, and you'd go out on your paper route. And uh, I did that. And uh, occasionally my parents would uh, take me. One time we saw, we saw an accident. We saw a girl get hit by a car. Mm. And fly like 40 feet in the air. I can still remember my mother screaming. We're at this beginning of the front of a four-way intersection. And it was a uh, Route 46, which is sort of like Bangator, where you can get going really good speed. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's sort of a freeway, but it's not because there's stoplights. And these girls were trying to get to the median, and one girl made it, and the other girl didn't. She got hit right in the hip and flew the length of the intersection. And I'm sitting there in the passenger seat. I'm like 12 years old. My mother, ah! I, I didn't know what to make of it. But uh, she was so shook up when we got home that they drove me on the paper route that day. And that rarely happened. Uh, and the girl ended up recovering, which was great news, obviously. So, But, yeah, the, a paper route. Could you imagine that? I would imagine somebody like him who's been in the business for all these years and is used to seeing your paper. It's got to be a big adjustment. These are the times in which we live, and you have to make those adjustments. All right. Well, you got any great ideas? Perfect gift for Gordon. Let us know. Grab your phone. Use the app. Use the open mic. Send us the audio, and uh, we'll see if y'all can get it on the air. Uh, you can hit us up also on Twitter today. we got the question of the day. Is this a statement game? Monty saying for sure they are not going to want to lose again. Two out of three on this trip. Three and three in their last six games. Statement game. You can't go to must win. In my mind. That's too much. I I, I didn't go to must win. No, I didn't go to must win. No, certainly not. I believe must wins. I can live with a must win uh, if you're down 2-0 in the postseason since no team has ever come back down 3-0. And obviously, uh, if the other team has three wins uh, in any form of uh, 3-0, 3-1, 3-2, whatever it is, that is a must-win, clearly. So I, I think those are the two situations. And I guess if you want to get in the playoffs and you uh, are a half game out or whatnot and you need to win that game or lose your season is done, those are must-wins. And obviously in the NCAA tournament, they're must-wins. Uh, so we understand that. But, yeah, I agree it's not a must-win. But Lacombe just called it a monu- monumental win if they get it. And the thing about this win, if they get it, is that it will – ease the sting of the prior two losses. And in my mind, it will ease the sting very easily, too. It's not a stretch and a reach 
to go in that direction because over the course of what is now a 72-game season, I could easily say you're going to be off minimum, minimum 10 games, minimum 10 games. And so uh, you built in because no team's going to go 62 and 10. So it's, that's, that's, that's on the low side with the uh, 10 games being off. But if you win this game, then those other two losses that you just had on this trip don't seem nearly as bad, even though they're still losses, but that'd be just gigantic. This is, I agree with what Tim was saying. This is an opportunity to get a monumental win. It really is. It's a showcase game of the league. And they'll probably lead with Brooklyn on ESPN and all that because they just go with uh, where there's a bigger population, uh, and they're gonna they're gonna trump up, and that's their game too on ESPN, Brooklyn and Houston. So of course they're gonna pump that up because they're in the entertainment business to make as much money as they possibly can. They're not really in the journalism business. The journalism is takes all, uh, virtually any television show that classifies itself as a news show or a journalistic show, really, first and foremost, it's entertainment, and then the second. So I don't suspect, unless some phenomenal game that Donovan Mitchell has some great shot at the buzzer or whatnot, so they're probably going to pump up Brooklyn and Houston. But from a talent standpoint and record standpoint, this is the number one game in the league tonight and probably this week since uh, this is it. I guess some teams play tomorrow before they shut down, though, right? Yak is nodding. I have not checked tomorrow's schedule. I'm not addicted yeah, to schedules do. the way I, you I are. Know. Oh, wow. I, well, they, they usually do that, though. Wow, that's a turnabout. Oh, you, you thought that was funny. Apparently. I did. As a matter of fact, I did. Nate says everyone's got to keep in mind that the Jazz are the team to beat in the NBA at this point. Every single team has a circle on the schedule, and they bring it every night. That's part of being in first place. Now it's on us to up our game, and I have no doubt we will. Well, I'm Jazz got to love that he's using the personal pronouns there. Yes. In the uh, present tense. But I, I don't think they're the team to beat in the NBA. I, I would disagree with that. Lakers, still the favorite. Yeah. Everyone's, and they're three. If you're just simply going on record, yeah. then I can't argue. But I don't ever just go on numbers, unlike you. <laughs> that was a David Locke laugh right there. <laughs> Yak pots you down. about turnabout so quickly. <laughs> uh, and I, I guess others would be amazed, but personally, I'm not amazed at myself. <laughs> Just routine. This is you being you. <laughs> I just woke up the neighbors, probably. <laughs> <laughs> dogs barking down the road. <laughs> Speaking of dogs barking, yesterday I go outside after the show. You got a freaking canine, police canine, right in front of my house. Oh, really? What was going on? Excitement in Three the hood. Three law enforcement vehicles in my neighborhood yeah jeez i mean i realize i don't live in your neighborhood but nevertheless it's not what i expect when i walk out we have law enforcement uh, in our neighborhood all the time right because that, uh, that guy lives there three or talk, four doors away <laughs> no that's privilege they patrol the high-end no, areas they really speaking don't. of privilege that's what you get of course dude lives there. yeah that's his abode. Uh, obviously he's got the code to get past the gates uh, so, good for you. Yeah, you're making stuff. Uh, Does he have the code to come across the <laughs> moat, though, is the big question. 
Well, he has the fish to uh, distract the alligators. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> he, has a, he has a drone to lift himself he'll across. Make, he'll make it across <laughs> somehow. His another. drone grabs him by the shoulders. <laughs> three, three cop cars, and one of them was uh, like an SUV, and it says canine with dog sniffers. What was going on? My peaceful, sandy neighborhood. I uh, know. They, they have a chase well, that ended a, in your neighborhood? No, there was just across the uh, other side of the street behind them is a commercial area, and it's a grocery store. And the word I got is there was, I don't know, some shoplifting or some type of deal. I'm not sure exactly what was going on, but uh, there's this real little small park. I mean, it's like about as small as can be, and they have a little, just a little basketball court. And so there's a chain link fence there, and apparently... Somebody was chased and hopped over the fence, and that's right across the street. Aha. And then, um, so the neighbor, one of I got great neighbors, just it's just great neighbors for sure. Really love the neighbors, most of them anyway. But uh, <laughs> last second downgrade. <laughs> Wait, I forgot about that one house. Yeah, know. see, then then if then if word gets out, then they wonder. Like, is that me? <laughs> you say you're doing this on purpose, just to, it's like, stir, just yeah, to it's stir like the you, pot? You, t- you tell your, if your wife ever says anything about, you know, your circle of friends, oh, you really think she's, well, whatever. And you say, sweetheart, I'm not attracted to any of my friends and our friends' wives, except maybe one. And then that makes her think, okay, which one? But you never tell her which one it is, you know what I mean? You keep them guessing. It works that way. And uh, so... One of the neighbors, the Stones, called the police, and they came out, and they thought that the the uh, suspect, who was proceeding northbound, uh, Easy. police information officer, uh, <laughs> that been, might have been watching some fences, been watching the noon show again, <laughs> and my, <laughs> that's the way they talk, the way they've always talked. I know. They, they speak an official language, um, and so they thought it might have been in the neighborhood uh, around us. So we were told. Uh, uh, I usually have the the uh, door open so the dog can go in and out. I probably shouldn't say that on the radio, but uh, I quickly shut the door just in case. Uh, although the dog probably would have scared him anyway. If it were me, I wouldn't have hopped into a fence uh, where there's a dog, a yard where there's a dog. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, that was that was startling when I went out to see the canine and see the police dog out there uh, doing something. Excitement this in the Kinnahan neighborhood. This isn't this isn't California, where almost every night, literally, you saw police helicopters. I mean, that's just just the way it was. Yeah, <laughs> it really is, and people don't <laughs> they don't know that or get that. It's so weird not having that here. Here, you hear the life flight helicopters sometimes, but yeah, I have a friend who lived down uh, a few miles away from me in California. And you just pick up a chase. He had a uh, a townhouse. It literally ended the chase on the property that he had. <laughs> so he's watching this whole thing unfold in his townhome uh, right below him, this whole nasty deal. And when he had his first child, they put a... Uh, Sign out, it's a boy, and the sign got graffitied. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, life in California a little bit different than here. <laughs> and ironically, after we moved, he moved up here too. <laughs> so, all right, DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven five at twelve eighty. The Zone coming up. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network analyst, is going to join us in about twenty minutes. The Pac-12 schedule is out. The Utes not playing Power Five teams. Stanford. Playing nothing but Power 5 teams. SC getting a bye right before Notre Dame. Conference trying to help itself with a big win, PK. We'll get to all of that with Yogi Roth coming up in 20 minutes. Stay with us. The Big Show show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. The Jazz lose last night to the Pelicans. The Jazz at the defensive end could not get the job done, and they paid the price with an L. The Jazz did not have more than three consecutive stops the entire game until there was four minutes left to go. During that 16-3 run to cut it to one, the Jazz made nine stops on 12 possessions. Wow. As much as we focus on the Jazz when they miss shots, when they don't D up properly, that is the real downfall of this team. When they decided, let's buckle down here, we may have a shot at this one. Boy, it turned around pretty quick, didn't it? That really does tell you everything you need to know about last night's game. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. My prediction for the game against the Sixers is that the Jazz will allow a ton of easy layups and Rudy will be nowhere to be found. I think a perfect gift for Gordon would be a coffee mug that says, I only have one Porsche. <laughs> use the open mic. Grab, our, grab your phone. Use our app. Use the open mic feature. Send us your audio or take. Gordon's birthday today. What do you get the guy who has everything other than, you know, a two-hour show? <laughs> Jazz pregame at 4 o'clock today. Tip-off at 5, so the big show will just go for two hours. And then Gordon will be out, and Tim will be in, and it'll be on to the Jazz pregame show. A Porsche, huh? Yeah, he does have a lot of cars by his house. I mean, that's a good thing. When I want to get some exercise, I go over to his house because I have to park like two miles away because he's got all the cars out there. Keep them coming, PK. (laughs) Absolutely, man. And the house, my goodness. I, if I really want to get some exercise, I run through the house. <laughs> Got an indoor track? <laughs> Going north to south on that, baby. That'll take you a while. I call it the Monsonian Institute. You have called it that. <laughs> and he really appreciates that, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Climbing all those stairs. Oh, okay, PK. It's <laughs> the couple times that I've been there and the elevator doesn't work, man. That'll get you into shape. But, hey, nothing wrong with being affluent. I wish I was. I wish I was like you guys. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That'd be awesome. You really want me to not blow your cover, don't you? What cover? (laughs) You got no cover. (laughs) Okay. Paycheck is why I live in Utah. (laughs) I'm freaking week to week. I just got a $13,000 tax bill, and you're talking to me about cover? Why is that? Got to have it to get taxed there, big guy. No, that's not (laughs) it at all. You don't know nothing about taxes. I got a big TV. Yeah, look at you. Jeez, I squint. To watch you my saved TV. the school six hundred grand. Six hundred thousand. Thought we were beating up on Gordon. What is this yacht? 
I always have these ones at the ready, though. You feed me Trevor Booker and then this? What does the 9 o'clock hour hold? Oh, just wait. Okay, let's beat up on Gordon if you want to do something unusual. <laughs> Happy birthday, Gordon. It's Gordon Monson's birthday today if you missed it. So. Well, I think what do you that, get the guy who has everything? Well, what do we get the people, <clears throat> excuse me, in honor of Gordon's birthday? And I think it's got to be, in its entirety, the question. Oh. <laughs> do we have that kind of time? We got Yogi Roth coming up. That's a shot right there. That's a good one. Yeah, well, the question, <laughs> the, the funniest thing about the question, and no one will ever appreciate, neither you or I heard it live. We were told about it at the same time. We were in a luxury suite at a jazz game. It was when we were working for Simmons, and they had a suite. And so hosts had to go rotate through and host different nights. So it was you and I's night to be up there uh, meeting whoever the people were that won the tickets on the air because we give away tickets huh? on the air. And so we're there early. And, uh, and one of our coworkers comes in and tells us the most hilarious thing happened. This player got confused and gave a terrible answer. And so, and so he told us about it. We're like, huh. And then later we heard it. And we're like, wait a minute. The answer is not the point of this. The question is the point of this. All right, Yach. Yach's got it. Fire it up, Yach. Make it happen. Interesting, your, your sort of uh, transformation from your junior year in college to your senior year when you really started to turn it on, but only on a part-time basis. And, and a lot of times I was, I'd be watching the game and I'd be thinking, man, I, you know, if he got all the carries, I mean, the numbers would be astounding, but maybe you got more yards because you were a little fresher that way. I don't know. And now you're ready. I talked with you during the season, and now you're on the edge, on the brink of fulfilling a childhood dream of going to the NFL. I mean, uh, you may be nervous and you may be a little anxious, a little uh, uncertain as to where you're going to go. But can you characterize the feelings that are going through your mind? Uh, You know, how are you hanging on? Where are you? I'm in uh, San Bernardino right now. (laughs) I haven't heard that in a long time. That's good. You know, how are you hanging on? Where are you? I'm in uh, San Bernardino right now. (laughs) San Bernardino. That has withstood... The test of time. <laughs> that's, All right, that's fellas, like I'm going to go hurl. It's <laughs> <laughs> like Frank singing New York, New York. I mean, 100 years from now, that'll still be worth playing. <laughs> Do you have more Gordon drops in there? I didn't I didn't know the uh, I'm going to go hurl now. You got, you got an array? <laughs> These are in my array. I know Austin has got a bazillion of them, so give me a second. Here. <laughs> okay. Yeah, whatever you got. I remember one time we had Gordon and Craig Bojack on. Uh, so the four of us are on. They're both on phone, and they they decided to go to. They were going at it for some reason. It was back over at the over Trolley Square, so we're going way back. And uh, so Craig says to Gordon, "Oh, why don't you go to San Bernardino?" And Gordon responds, "Why don't you go to hell?" <laughs> that was a good that was awesome. <laughs> Bowler attack mode. I know. I, yeah, I have no idea what the argument was about, but I just remember those two, that line from each of them. Well, if if Bowler felt the need to go attack mode, my guess is he was getting beat up on the Magic Stockton thing. Oh, okay, maybe it was. Yeah, that, I don't was, know. Yeah. I don't remember either, but with Bowler, that's the one thing that gets him going. Yeah. You could talk to Bowler about other stuff, and he just rolls with it. But for whatever reason, pound for pound. <laughs> <All the tops. laughs> 
All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, Yogi Roth is going to join us, Pac-12 Network analyst. The schedule is out. Big games, big interconference games. Chance for the Pac-12 to uh, start rebuilding its rep. Believe it or not, the conference used to have a great rep. Not so much right now. But back in the day, PK, but things have changed. So, when do they start digging out of the hole? Is this the year? And the schedule is out. Advantages and disadvantages built into it. We'll talk Pac-12 football with Yogi Roth coming up next. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller. DJ and PK in the morning brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Time to welcome back Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network Analyst. Yogi, good morning. Good morning indeed. The Pac-12 schedule is out, so we thought we'd have you on. We take a, a break in the wall-to-wall jazz uh, nonstop coverage we give you here with the jazz uh, tearing things up. But there's always time for college football in Utah, as you well know. Let's go, man. I, I love it. <laughs> I love talking to you guys. So I see a lot of things reading different stories on different team schedules, but if there's one thing that jumped out at me, it's that USC was given a bye before Notre Dame. Somebody in the conference office or the conference ADs is thinking, you know, the Pac-12 rep has taken a beating here the last few years. USC winning in South Bend, that would be a big deal. Let's give them a bye and give them a chance to get ready. You reading the same stuff into it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think the job of the conference is to, you know, take a competitive league and put everybody in the best position for their respective teams. So, uh, I'm sure it was considered. Uh, it is the latest they'll play in South Bend since 1993. So there's a little bit of that of like, hey, if you're an SC team, most kids are from, you know, the Bakersfield Beltway, if you will, from Bakersfield to San Diego on this roster. It's over 65% of the roster. So it's not like you guys are going to love going to the snow in South Bend if that's what the weather is like. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I hope that, I, mean, I know that there was consideration into making sure that no, teams are not put in precarious scenarios. We've seen those in the past. So I, I love the move, and it's a, it's a great move. Build up the hype. Hopefully Notre Dame is a top-10 team, and SC, they'll have a chance. And the game against Utah prior to that, of course, is going to you know launch them in the trajectory as a, as a real quality win if they can get it. So, Yogi, what's going to be your first official act when you are named commissioner of the Pac-12? <laughs> First act, uh, make sure I'm on your show every week. There you go. Yes, I like it. Right there. Pac-12 Commissioner Yogi Roth joins us now. (laughs) Exactly right. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. I think it's a really exciting time for our conference. Um, And, you know, I've known Larry Scott since he got the job. I was coaching. I was at SC. And uh, I remember when he he came down to L.A. and I met him for the first time. And it's really exciting. And I think there's a lot of great things that he did in his tenure in terms of, you know, television, et cetera, as we got going. But I, th- I think all of us, him included, would agree that, you know, it's, it's time for a change. We, we see that all the time. You know, what you guys experience in Utah with Kyle Whittingham is so, uh, you know, uncommon in sports, let alone college sports. So I think it's, I think it's a good thing in terms of turning the page um, and getting a fresh narrative, right, a fresh narrative. And to me, that's really exciting. And if there was one thing I would do, um, and one thing that I think will be done, and, and I think it's been done and really not, not gotten a lot of play, is we do a lot of things in this conference for players that nobody talks about. right? So health insurance, they have it longer in this conference than any other conference when their playing career is over. Investment into mental health, investments into social justice, investment into concussion studies, 
Uh, we do a lot for the players. I would double down on that. You know, with NIL and everything happening, um, I hope the Pac-12 conference becomes the players' conference and a conference where anybody who's getting recruited here says, yeah, man, why am I leaving you know, the Pac-12 footprint to go to the South? Like, that is ludicrous. And you look at the forward-thinking model of just media in general. Um, so that, that's what I hope happens, and, and I believe that's going to happen, and I look forward to the next couple of years, because it's going to be crazy with NIL and everything that a commissioner is going to have to navigate. And of course, the media rights at the Pac-12 conference and the Pac-12 networks. But to me, it's a premier job. Like, how exciting is that? Like, you're not just coming in and just operating business as usual. You get to come in and you're part of major changes. And, oh, by the way, you get to live on the West Coast. Like, you want to be in college sports. I don't know if there's a better job administratively in college athletics, in my opinion, in terms of location, living, and the reality of what you're going to be able to do. So it really bugs you when you see California kids going to Alabama, running off to the SEC or Big Ten? It's bugging you big time. Well, the, the bug to me is, and I, I'm, I'm doing this new podcast series with quarterbacks about the phrase, what does it mean to make it? Right? And I talked to, um, I haven't aired him yet, but I just talked to Malik Zaire yesterday and went to Notre Dame. I talked to Brandon Harris, who was a huge recruit, went to LSU. And both of those guys talked about fit. And I think a lot of times when you're seeing – and they weren't in the right fit. They both ended up leaving their school. But they were recruited. They fell in love with the process. They were local products. Um, or they wanted to leave their footprint and, and go somewhere else. And the more and more I talk to high-profile players, um, a lot of times – and sometimes it works out, right? Najee, Najee Harris was the perfect fit, right, to Alabama, and look what he did. You know, he's a guy who was playing as well as anybody in the country last year at Alabama. But my point is that a lot of times in recruiting, guys go to places because – and I've talked to them. They were just in the playoffs. It's a sexy thing. It's the hot thing. Uh, they just sent a couple guys to the Heisman. All notable things that help in recruiting versus, hey, what's the best fit for me? Now, where, where really should I play to develop where my family can see me, where I feel comfortable, where the coaching staff continues to recruit my high school so it's not like they don't care about me when I'm there necessarily. Like, all the things that are realities in college football – um, I don't think players, and it's fair, don't recognize it until they're later in their career or after their career. So, yeah, it bugs me when I look at it and I'm like, what's up with that fit? Right? Ali Cajo, when he left UW to go to Alabama, I was like, where did that come from? Came out of completely left field. And then when you study it, a lot of the guys that leave the footprint and take off, uh, that, you know, granted it's early in that relative process, but they don't always thrive. Right? You can go up and down the list. I mean, there's a quarterback that went to Miami 15 years ago. Probably should have stayed in the Pac-12. I mean, I can give you examples left and right. Um, so overall, um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it, unless that is the right fit, unless you do fall in love with everything about it versus just what that program had done in most recent times. Oh, Yogi, you're speaking my language. I've said it to you and on air many times here as an ASU grad watching the Big 12 title game with both quarterbacks being from the state of Arizona uh, last year. I didn't really like that. I could sort of live with both quarterbacks from being the state of Arizona with uh, Oregon and SC last year. So you had four quarterbacks in the state of Arizona, neither of them had stayed, and none of them stayed in Arizona. But now, Ohio State, they... uh, successor to Fields might be an, an Arizona kid. So it's just... It's plagued this conference, and I think that of all the things, you know, we can talk about DirecTV and not having the Pac-12 network and blah, blah, blah. You can come up with a bunch of reasons, 
But I think I would put that right at the top of the list as far as kids taking off. To see a, a Clemson have a kid from you know, right down the street, metaphorically, from two L.A. schools and just a few hours away from Arizona, that really does bother me. And I think the conference, if they can get a hold on that, then and they're going to be right where they want to be. Yeah, I think um, I'm with you on that. I think, you know, I think it's challenging um, right now when you look at recruiting because players are doing what I referenced. I think there's three schools that have separated themselves in college football in Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama to a degree in recruiting and the way that they recruit uh, and, and, quite frankly, the way that they play. Uh, but I do think that these three factors are going to lead and have led to players staying home uh, in no particular order, one being COVID-19. Uh, I think what we found is players that are far away from their families uh, weren't comfortable, didn't enjoy that. I think at least in the immediacy of recruiting and, you know, not knowing the realities of what this virus can do to at least this upcoming college football season. We still don't know what fans are going to be like all across the country. Um, it's just kind of too hard to predict. So I think there's something there that has kept players home. Uh, and then you add in the last two recruiting cycles, nobody could go visit in last year's and now there's still a dead period up until the summer. Right, so how much visitation is really going to happen? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. But in my opinion, that's factor number one. Factor number two uh, is NIL, right, as I referenced earlier. You know, you grow up in L.A. and you're Corey Foreman. Why are you leaving? Right? Even Kayvon Thibodeau, staying in the footprint. And I think and, and you can go to Utah or you can go to Pullman, but if you're from the footprint, you're still playing in L.A. once a year. You're still playing in Seattle. You're still playing in the Bay Area. You're playing in – you know, Salt Lake City, you're playing in media markets that, you know, have juice around who you are and what you're about and celebrating your stories. I think that's number two. And I think, think number three is social justice. I, I think what's going on on Pac-12 campuses, and you hope around the country is, is well, I, I know around the country is really impressive in, in college communities. When you look at the actual footprints, though, um, it's just different. You know, you reference DJ Angelele. You go back and look at his Twitter feed when there was a peaceful protest on Clemson's campus. And he put out a video where he said something along the lines of, I can't believe this is happening on my campus. And there's a Confederate flag rolling right through Clemson, South Carolina. So I think, you know, and these recruiting cycles or these recruiting circles are so tight now, especially with social media. All these guys are talking to each other. They're buddies growing up. They've all played in the same circuit, seven on seven, et cetera. But I think there's something to that of going to different regions and saying, hey, What's going on in that community? And it's not a slight. It's just kind of a reality of what is going on around the country. And I think you look at the Pac-12 footprints, nobody's perfect. But fundamentally, it's just a more progressive part of the world. And, and I think that when it gets down to it, uh, those are going to be three factors that I think will begin to sway some talent coming back. But we'll always lose them, you know. Now you referenced Jack Miller from Arizona at Ohio State. C.J. Stroud also went to Ohio State. Guys are going to want to go play at those big three schools. I don't think that's slowing down at all. To me, it's the other thing that you referenced, right? Can, can, can you find a player? And I think it's, it's nobody knew that Brock Purdy was going to be Brock Purdy, in my opinion, coming out of high school, right? But we all knew Spencer Rattler, you know? But Jake Daniels with ASU. You know, so I, I think we're always going to lose guys here and there. But to your point, you know, can we make sure the exodus isn't what it was two years ago when so many players left the footprint? Right. So part of it has having uh, big conference games, big games that excite kids because kids love that, the full stadium, the hype, the big TV audience and all that. 
in the conference schedule this year, Washington isn't playing USC or Utah. Oregon's not playing USC or ASU. That's four big crossover games that aren't happening. And so I think you miss those games. That's a negative. Now, the positive is maybe the league doesn't beat itself up so badly. Which way do you view that with these big games not happening? Well, I, I'm with you. Like, when the schedule came out, I was like, oh, man, SC is missing Oregon and UW. Like, that was just mm-hmm. kind of the first thing that jumped out. And then I just kind of nerded it out. And I went down the list of, like, well, what, what games are not happening that are notable, right? You reference Washington, Utah. Um, I look at Oregon, ASU. Uh, Oregon, yeah, Oregon, ASU. ASU. I look, like, there's some, yeah, Utah, Cal. I mean, there's some, some games. And then I uh, went to the conference office and I asked about it. And what I was reminded of was, like, this deal was made back in 2011. Um, when you're talking about California schools, we're always going to play California schools. And that was the agreement. So if you look at it, in 2013 and 14, SC didn't play Oregon and UW. Same thing in 17 and 18. Same thing in you know 21 and 22. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of the way that it works. The, the good thing is that the non-conference schedule is so strong uh, in this conference that I'm not too worried about it. And then I did a deeper dive. And, and Bama, granted, they played Georgia last year in the regular season because everything got flipped out of its head. But they didn't play it since 2015 in the regular season. Right? So it's not like conferences all across the country are making sure the best are playing the best. Um, and I think for us, it's not like it was decided this year to say, let's make sure that SC, Oregon, and Washington you know, have an easier path to a proverbial title, um, or Utah for, the, for that matter. It wasn't that at all. It was, hey, this is how the schedule has been laid out since 2011. So I look at the non-conference. I think they play 11 games against P5, uh, two obviously the traditional Notre Dame opponents, uh, five games against BYU, interestingly. That's a, a large number. It's good for the Cougars, good for us here in our community. You know how much we love college football and then to have BYU play teams that are you know, at least regionally local, if that makes sense. But I look at uh, 9-11, that's second Saturday in March, uh, Washington, Michigan, Cal, TCU, remember uh, it's BYU, Utah, uh, Colorado, A&M, and then uh, Oregon, Ohio State. Man, that is a big Saturday. How big of a deal are we going to put into the results on that Saturday, do you think? Huge. You know, I mean, you know how it works. It'll be a big deal in, in – Week zero, when UCLA plays Hawaii, and then they got LSU yeah. the next week, right? I mean, I, I think that's right. the nature. And I think the big thing, and I just got done talking to Danny Cannell about it on his show early this morning, of in college football, we, we want to have everything, which is we want to hold people accountable to who they played in week one or week two to the point of Oregon, Auburn, Washington, Auburn, and say, well, they lost that game. Clearly, they're done for the season. And we also want to say, well, it's, it's the four best, so if Notre Dame or Clemson lose, it doesn't matter. They're still in the playoff in the ACC title. Like, to me, that's where the committee has to step in, right? And they've always said four best, but that, for us, at least in the, in the Pac-12 conference, hasn't always held true. Um, and I think also from a conference standpoint, if you do lose one, let's just say Oregon loses to Ohio State, you got to go run the table and you got to go do your thing in that regard. We haven't seen a two-loss team in the playoffs. So I can be playing all day or make recommendations how the playoffs should change. I've done that for the better part of the entire playoffs tenure, um, but it doesn't matter, right? So hopefully we can just continue to beat the drum of depth and breadth of the conference, and then our teams need to show up and play and play well, right? Like we, we can't go two and three against Utah, you know? Arizona's got to play – or against BYU, excuse me. 
Arizona's going to play well. Utah's going to. Those are the things, those little data points. And I say that I was on the inside this year as a presenter on the behalf of the Pac-12 to the CFP every other week. So I met with the Pac-12 representatives along with the Commissioner Scott, Merton Hanks, and our team, and I pitched and pitched hard. And we told them when we were disappointed with where the rankings were and how we felt the conference wasn't getting respect. And you saw where USC was ranked in multiple weeks. Uh, it felt like they heard us, but their actions didn't reflect similar opinions. So I do think there's something to you know, the narrative changing a little bit, which, which it already has begun to do that, in my opinion, and then going out and playing well in those games and getting a win in those games. Because we can look at Oregon State at Purdue. That's going to be a notable moment when the playoff committee gets going prior to Oregon and Oregon State. It just is. And I know it from being in it this year. So I, I don't think that we sit on the throne of it is for best. I think everybody in that room is an individual, and some of them think about full best right now at the end of the season. Some use the data points along the way, um, and that to me is a major blemish within the process, which is the current playoff selection process. So is USC the uh, the favorite this year with 15 seniors and a quarterback back, or are you looking at somebody else in the league? It's really fun to kind of go through, you know, there's multiple teams that have over 80% of their roster returning from last year, right? So I look at SC, to your point, Arizona State, they're positioned well. I mean, if they were, if they had USC's logo, they'd be picked, right? And as I went through the schedule, I kept circling, you know, critical games, and it was everybody against ASU. And I got the ASU schedule and said, yeah, I must think they're pretty good. So I think today on paper, I'd go Arizona State. And I don't know what uh, the offensive line of USC is going to look like. They hired Clay McGuire, a new line coach, so they're full-on air raid. Uh, I want to see what they're going to do in spring. Uh, they got to replace some really key players on defense, right? They had some guys into the portal, uh, starting an inside, inside, backer, inside linebacker midseason. They lose Colin Ohofunga, obviously, an All-American player. Uh, I think those two teams right now, on paper, with what we know, are the two top teams in the South. But, man, like all the players Utah returns, UCLA, you watch them on film, and there's times where you know they, they were able to do whatever they wanted. I mean, remember, they, they took Oregon to the end with the backup quarterback and Chase Griffin last year. They have DTR, and maybe they win that ball game, which would be a huge moment for, for Chip Kelly and the turning point in what was a weird season last year. And then in the North, I, Stanford, to me, was playing the best football in the conference last year at the end of the year. Like, if we went four best at the end or two best, Stanford would have been in the title game my opinion, the way that they just played. Cal returns pretty much everybody. It's amazing how many guys who could have gone to the league didn't, let alone players like they got a 60-year senior center in Michael Safel, right? Those types of players are returning for that team. Cam Good, guys that have played a ton of football. I think it'll benefit them. And, and then I go to Washington, under the radar, man. Really, in my opinion, a little bit under the radar on the title scene conversation. They're a top 25 team, but they're loaded. NFL talent all over. Can their receivers take the next step will be the question, right? Notably, Puka Nakua, a five-star player coming out of, you guys know your backyard there. Can he become the dude that we anticipated him becoming when he first got on campus? So I think there's a lot of teams at the top, uh, but if I had to make a prediction today, I'd pick Oregon and I'd pick Arizona State in their respective conferences knowing what we know. So you speak of Yogi as far as Oregon, just use a hypothetical, they lose to Ohio State. They got to run the table. 
Well, we're going into our 11th year into this conference with Utah and Colorado, and nobody has run the table. And you can throw out last (laughs) year to an extent if you want to, fine. But still, nobody has gone 9-0. and So... It, it it becomes mathematically it has it has not happened so I don't know that I can expect it to happen in uh, 2021 if it happens I hope it's the Devils but nevertheless I'm wondering these big games that like Oregon's playing and we saw that two years ago what did they I think they lost to Auburn and and they, and then they lose at the next last uh, game of the season to the Devils yeah, and all of a sudden they're out. Is there is there one? I don't know what the answer is. Can we somehow get the committee to acknowledge? Well, it's almost impossible to go nine and zero uh, in the Pac-12. So rather than discredit them for losing to Auburn, give them credit for playing Auburn, even though they lost a close game, as opposed to playing the Citadel or somebody, knowing that you it's so difficult in this conference to go through unbeaten. Hey man, I'm I'm with you. I'm on that perch, shouting from the rooftops as well. Um, and now a lot of what my role was with the committee was giving them context. You know, last year was, a, was obviously in a unique season, uh, but if if allowed to be in that room again, I, I'll continue to beat that drum. And, and that's what you're talking about, right? And that's what's not talked about around the country. Context. No one can give you know, you know what about context? It's about <laughs> what's your record, right? What was the final score? You know, I, I can give you a twenty-one seventeen win in the SEC and it's a gritty win. I can give you the same score in the Pac-12 and then nobody's playing well. It's an ugly win, right? And that's just a narrative conversation. So, you know, we've got to help that. uh, And we'll obviously all do our best in that regard. But I'm with you. I don't see a team going undefeated in this conference. I think it's so hard to ask guys, A, to be that dialed in and that focused every week, right? Look at UW a couple years ago. They lost at ASU late in the season. The year they went to the playoffs. Right, it was like it was like ten six. It was like one of those weird games. But nobody's going to play perfect this year. I think the challenge is is what you're referencing on the playoff because you know somebody from the Big Twelve might finish with one loss. ACC might finish with one loss. SEC might finish with one loss. Big Ten might finish with one loss. So if, if there's one loss teams from Power Five conferences, you say, well, those get in over the two loss. Yeah, and I understand that because we'd be making the same argument if it was sweat. Uh, the challenge is that the ACC and the SEC continue to play past these schedules to a large degree in terms of weak crossover games, in my opinion, let alone uh, weak non-conference games, to you referencing the Citadel, no respect to, to that organization. But it's just a reality. When you look at Week 11 in this conference, it's Cal and Stanford. It's not Cal versus you know Louisiana Lafayette, and, and they're doing a nice job of Louisiana Lafayette. Right. My point. Right. Uh, it's not nearly the type of competitive slate. Yeah. And we just keep going there. And I don't think that'll change. I get asked that all the time. Do you think the conference will change? You look at the Big Ten and the Big 12, they're playing non-conference games. You hear Coach Saban at least say all the time he's got no problem playing non-conference games. I don't know if they'll make those shifts in those conferences. Why would they? Because they continue to get paid by going to the playoff. Nobody's really missing the playoff from the SEC or um, Clemson and the ACC, respectively. So I don't know what will happen in that regard. But until the playoff committee – and or ESPN, and or the hypothetical college football commissioner's office, which I hope gets built someday, until they say, you know what, they actually play different styles of football in every region, and we should give every region and every Power 5 conference and a group of five a berth. 
It'd make it more entertaining. It'd be better yeah. for the ratings. The ratings have been down and continue to drop in college football because people are bored. You know, it, it, and we all know who the top three teams are every year in the country, and they all get the benefit of the doubt if they do lay an egg and play a poor game. Right. Our conference doesn't get that. So week one, week two, in the non-con games that you referenced and the five against BYU, there's a great opportunity this year. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel the narrative shifting. I really do. I mean, there's a lot of NFL players in this conference. Uh, even yesterday, we threw it out for three hours talking about the schedule. I've done more national interviews in the last two days uh, about the schedule than I have in probably previous year's schedules combined. Uh, because people are talking about it, and there's buzz about it. And, and I like that. And, you know, that's the conference office making a, a big commitment to the hype around our teams and our conference and our league. And, and the coaches are, are loving that as well. And they should. And, and up to me, when you even look at recruiting, Cal was ranked where they were ranked. Washington's class, Stanford uh, did well late. Oregon, of course, and SC kind of carrying it. Utah's done well and, and better the last couple of years getting bigger recruits. And when you look at that thing, you say, yeah, man, like Pac-12 football is actually really good. We might just be buried in the stats or the back page of the sports section with just some scores and little blurbs at the end of the, uh, every Sunday morning when they're looking at that. Well, Yogi, as always, we appreciate a few minutes to talk football, even with the jazz rolling. It's good to talk a little college football, and we will talk to you again in a little while, I expect. Yeah, anytime. I'd love to. All right. Thanks, Yogi. Yeah. All right. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network Analyst, joining us. And PK really hammered the recruiting thing you've been talking about. I was just thinking, listening to him talk, though, as much as you have to keep guys home, you know, you got to identify the guys who are really good and, you know, Zach Wilson, and before him, Josh Allen, you know, the guy who's quarterbacked in the NFL playoffs, and a guy who looks like he's going to be a top five pick, maybe the number two pick to the Jets. And they played their high school ball in the Pac 12 footprint and didn't go to Pac 12 schools, not because they left the area. Nobody got on him. And I know there's late bloomers, and that's a factor well, I, and all that, but. The quarterback's a different animal, though. Yeah. You still need to. Can, can you at least agree on that? It is, and it doesn't oh, matter. Oh, you do, you do. It, it doesn't matter who you don't have if you have the guy. I mean, you can list, and it's an impressive list of quarterbacks who've left the state of Arizona, but if Jaden Daniels goes out and wins the Pac-12 championship this year, who cares? You know, they invested in a guy, they got him, he won, great. Uh, who nope, cares you in want, the short term? You want them all. You want them all. Bring in all the Arizona quarterbacks. Well, but but. but well, you're not going to get them all, but I think the the foundation of your program has got to be the local kid. It does. Even, even Alabama. five quarterbacks yeah. that are big time leaving. Yeah, and even Alabama. And yeah, you got fortunate with Jaden Daniels because the, he had an opportunity to play as a freshman. If they had a junior, they're not getting Jaden Daniels. Yeah. It was circumstantial. It was. As to how they got him. But getting him is getting him. Now the question is, are they going to back him up with another big-time quarterback? And also the question yeah, but, is, is he okay. going to win big time? Is he going to win big time? Well, it remains to be seen. Yeah, he hasn't done it yet, but right. uh, you know, they throw out last year, so he's still basically a freshman. So it, you have to go the foundation. What's going to give you the blueprint? And I can point to Larry Kristobiak. He had success with a foreign guy and a junior college guy who ends up being in the NBA. That's not necessarily repeatable as easily as it is the foundation of getting freshmen into your program who are really good and have them develop. You see what I'm saying there? Absolutely. I I, I know. It's got to be sustainable. 
But it's just that the conference needs big-time talent, and there's big-time talent in their footprint, and they didn't lose it to the SEC. They just they didn't get it. You know, one guy plays yeah, the BYU, I, one guy I plays can, the Wyoming. I can give you a pass to a degree with quarterback, but this Corey Foreman that he speaks of, he's basically the reincarnate of the Thibodeau kid who's just wreaking havoc, as Majerus would say, on offenses. Uh, number oh. five, I think he is for Oregon. He should be a first-round pick, if not the first pick this year. So uh, Foreman is a local kid. I think he's from Corona Centennial down yeah. there in SoCal. Offensive and defensive linemen should be slam dunks in a way a quarterback really can't be. I mean, I, I get that. You know, and so along the O line and the D line, you have your guys. USC has a ton of talent. They got 15 starters back, and they got their quarterback back, and he's big time. But everything you read about SC in the preseason, it's, it's always yes, 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 comma, but the offensive line. <laughs> Just over and over. But the offensive line. And the O-line and the yeah. D-line should be the most predictable. You ought to be able to get that at a much higher percentage. Quarterbacks are tricky. They are. But you got to have them. I know we got to go to break. And uh, coming up next, we're going to have the birthday boy. Stay with us. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. The Jazz lose last night to the Pelicans. The Jazz at the defensive end could not get the job done, and they paid the price with an L. The Jazz did not have more than three consecutive stops the entire game until there was four minutes left to go. During that 16-3 run to cut it to one, the Jazz made nine stops on 12 possessions. Wow. As much as we focus on the Jazz when they miss shots, when they don't D up properly, that is the real downfall of this team. When they decided, let's buckle down here, we may have a shot at this one, boy, it turned around pretty quick, didn't it? That really does tell you everything you need to know about last night's game. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. When I get older, losing my head Many years from now Will you still be sending me a valentine Birthday greetings Birthday, birthday greetings <laughs> It's time to welcome in the birthday boy The godfather Will you still need me Will you still feed me When I'm 64 Ah, the Beatles and Gordon Monson The birthday boy joins us now Gordon, happy birthday yeah, thanks. I still remember sitting in front of the TV uh, when the Beatles appeared uh, on the Ed Sullivan show. Uh, speaking of which, I think that was 64. Anyway, uh, I, I still remember to this day sitting there watching that group play. Yeah, I guess that's, uh, that's a part of, uh, of uh, my generation. Americana. Happy Even freaking birthday, man. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. I think, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I think I appreciate it. Something tells me I'm in for some abuse, but uh, <laughs> part of it. <laughs> I don't know why you would think that. It's been 45 minutes since we played the question. We got that out of our system before you came on the air. <laughs> I still remember. I still remember the guy who showed up at a remote 
and he had the freaking question oh, on a T-shirt, <laughs> with complete with all the uhs and ums and everything else on there, and then he had on the back, I'm in San Bernardino. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know, it's so just so crazy. We could do the greatest work known to man in radio, but yet all of us, all of us are known for stupid things. You, The question, you don't sound like a Debbie. <laughs> it's, just... <laughs> it's true. You know, I get that sometimes. I get people saying, you know, you sound like a drunk old man. You know, you sound you should have retired a long time ago on the radio. You, you're you, you, you know, you're this, you're that. And I and I always think to myself, no, I was the same way when I was 35. Had <laughs> <laughs> nothing to do with being old. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate the birthday greetings. So what does a uh, pandemic birthday look like? You must have had one of the last pre-pandemic parties with the timing of your birthday. You That's had a real right. party. You had people over a year ago. That is true. That is true. <laughs> and and uh, I do fondly remember those times. Uh, but, man, when you think about what we've been through since then, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, uh, man, what a, what a roller coaster ride it's been. But I am really hopeful. I'm one of those people who is looking at, uh, you know, the vaccines and, and all that stuff and just hoping that we can get back to being feeling a little better about getting together with people. I know everyone's going to still have to be cautious, but what the hell, man, let's live our lives. Yeah, my wife's had the vaccine, so uh, she's excited about that. I'm figuring with you. When you get the vaccine, uh, you know, it'll be as the weather's getting warmer. So with the vaccine, we'll see a lot more of a bare-chested Gordon Monson. <laughs> you better believe it, baby. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a naked man, as they say on my show. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> you know, every time I come on your damn show, I get myself in trouble somehow. You know, I mean, what, what's going to happen next? A press release is going to be sent out about something I said? Nudity feels good, I guess. <laughs> You're right, DJ. We have all said, especially those of us who have been involved as long as all three of us, we, all three of us, man, we, we all say stuff that uh, goes down, at least in our minds, in the annals of history. I don't know if anybody else remembers them, but uh, we certainly do. Although, although I did have trouble when I was trying to come up with uh, little snippets, you know. I had trouble coming up uh, on for one for PK. Uh, I, I, what's, what's his most famous one? His most famous one was not on the air. His most famous one was on a... Uh conference call steve cleveland yeah yeah i don't remember that one i do <laughs> yeah i'm kidding i know you are <laughs> no i was speaking factually oh my if God. you know steve cleveland you know what was going on in his life at the time he was having great success at home <laughs> everybody likes having success don't they <laughs> Yeah, on the road, at home, what did the, outside, inside, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Neutral site in Las Vegas. 
Yeah. <laughs> we're going to go college football. <laughs> Home road, we, neutral side of Las Vegas. We advertise on our station all the time. What uh, procedures to have to have better? Hey, now. <laughs> See, but, I mean, you're Gordon. You just got going on the question. It got away from you a little bit, and <laughs> Damien Hunter got it confused. But you personally... <laughs> Never confuse a person's uh, gender, which I guess maybe DJ was sort of ahead of his time now that we think of it. I'm a visionary. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. You don't really sound like a Debbie. Well, I did one for a long time. All right. All right. I stepped in it there. That, that, that may be the single best response I've ever heard. It was a Seinfeld episode. Deep talker. And she didn't miss a beat, or no. he didn't miss a beat. I'm not sure. They didn't miss a beat. Debbie didn't miss a beat. That was, that was classic, but we've all had it. I mean, Jake Scott, you know, and his bulging uh, disc, and, uh, you know, and, and Austin Horton talking about talking to a man who's confined to a wheelchair saying, you're walking up on the... <laughs> I mean, the we, best we, wheelchair we, player who've ever walked the face of the earth. <laughs> and, then, and then the guy says, I wish I could walk. And then, and then uh, Austin apologizes and then stops and turns and says again, all right, well, you're walking up on this season oh for the gosh. second time. Come on, uh, we, all, we all do it, man. We, we've all had something. Uh, uh, well, Statement I, game for the Jazz tonight, though, right? <laughs> what would you say? I couldn't hear you. Statement game yeah. for the Jazz tonight. Yeah, yeah I, this, I, I, you know, Jake and I were talking about this yesterday about how whether this game is really that important before the All Star break. And I, I thought that you know the Jazz have only, by my count, have only lost uh, two games in a row once this season, way long time ago. And for them to lose two heading into the break, I think is would be unfortunate considering. Uh, all the all the great success. Easy, <laughs> they've been, Ooh, nice. They've been, they've been having <laughs> so far this season. So especially against you know an Eastern contender like the Sixers, uh, this is a big one, man. I I I don't buy into this whole thing. Ah, they're tired and all this stuff. Everybody's tired at this point. Now it comes down to mental strength. Which is what it'll come down to the playoffs when everybody will be exhausted again. So, in a way, there's a little preview of, you know, do you have the right skill set? Can you push through stuff? And we really congratulated them when they pushed through the fatigue and found a way to beat the Pacers in Indiana playing a third road game in four days. But there was nothing like that in their their game on Monday. And it's easier said than done. I get it. But Mm -hmm. it's it's a defensive end, man. When When they, you know, focus... Defensively, it seems like they could overcome whatever's happening at the other end of the court. But uh, the other night uh, against the Pelicans, uh, you know, I, I don't know what happened there in that third quarter, but they they lost focus, and you could tell Quinn was was ticked off afterward because oh, yeah. he felt like those kinds of mistakes can be avoided. And again, he knows how hard it is. It's not easy to do this. We talk about it like it is, but 
that, you know, that's that's the, the challenge in front of them. So they have that again tonight. Here's a good stat for you. You can drop this on Jake this afternoon, and then he can steal it and use it in the pregame show. When the Jazz give up 120 points or more, they are 2-4 and four this year. When they give up less than 120 points, 60 and a half, 30 and a quarter, when they give up less than 120 points, they are 25 and 4. Guys, you got to defend yep. a little bit. And you don't have to be great defensively, you got to defend a little bit. You have a you have a yeah. really bad defensive day and they've had a half dozen of them. You you're a bad team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you're 2 and, and 4. And 100, 120 sounds manageable, doesn't it? You would think, I mean, seems, right? You, with yeah, with their with their abilities, you'd think they'd be able to handle that. But, uh, you know, when you give up 70-some points in a pain, it's going to be tough to contain the team. Yep. All right. Well, you only have half a show for your birthday, so enjoy that, Gordon. Yeah, I, uh, you know, it's always a pleasure being on the air. I, you know, Jake always gives me a hard time when there's a, a pregame show that's early and all that stuff. But, man, we like what we do. That's why we do it. That's yep. why we've been doing it for so long. Right, fellas? I think you'd agree. Yep. All right, well, oh, go totally, enjoy your yes. birthday, and we will hear you back on the air today from 2 to 4, and then pregame at 4, and then the Jazz game at 5. Yeah, I don't want to get too personal here, but I'm hoping at some point today it has some great success, but uh, I won't get into it. <laughs> Man, it's break time now. It's break time now. Y'all can't hit the button and send us to break fast enough. Thanks, Okay, Gordon. so I won't call you from 12.05 to 12.10 then. <laughs> when I'm 64. <laughs> See ya. See ya. <laughs> Your feedback coming up next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. No, the Jazz could not be Zion Because they played so uninspired Yes, it's been a lengthy road trip But we don't want to hear you're tired I think a perfect gift for Gordon would be a coffee mug that says I only have one Porsche Win one, lose three the Jazz could win one, lose three. They're making a lot of trees, but it's just a tease because you lose two teams when you don't play D girls. <laughs> Doubling up with K due to email migration platform issues. Didn't have K yesterday. K sent it in, so there you go. Yeah, so wow. the first one you heard was from yeah. yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you have a show at not at seven, and then you come back at nine thirty. Garth Brooks did that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, it's time for your feedback. Everything you've got to say about today's show. Is this a statement game for the Jazz against the Philadelphia 76ers? Best record in the West, best record in the East. Christian sends us Will Ferrell. Yes, Will's got the mustache, the real super serious look. Jeremy. He's going after Gordon Monson. Thanks, Gordon, for now ruining my day with your success at home comment. (laughs) Michael Scott. Gross! (laughs) Gift game. Strong gift game from our listeners. You Chasta trailer. I think I just spit up in my mouth a little bit. (laughs) Greg, though, was happy to hear from Gordon. Hey, San Bernardino, nice of you to show up on the DJ and PK show. Happy birthday, Monson. <laughs> that was a legendary moment in the, <laughs> the demise of Jim Boylan. Nice of you to show up. 
That was a perfectly legitimate question by Gordon. <laughs> but, Jim, the, the walls were closing in on him. You may be nervous and you may be a little anxious, a little uncertain where you're going to go, but can you characterize the feelings that are going through your mind? You know, how are you hanging on? Where are you? I'm in uh, Olympus Cove right now. <laughs> Thank you, you Chasta trailer. I see the show up. Actually, Gordon handled that very well. He could have said, yeah, it's about time somebody did. Oh. How are you hanging on? Where are you? I'm in uh, San Bernardino right now. <laughs> of all the locations, San Bernardino. I cannot drive through or see a sign when I'm down in the basin and uh, not think of that. I just can't. If he had been anywhere else, would it have worked? I mean, isn't there just something magical about San Bernardino? It was like the perfect answer. I'm in Orange County. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have it like wouldn't the, resonated. I'm, I'm in, in a, L.A. I'm yeah, in a no. San Bernardino. Like, right. It's just the way he answered Yeah, it, it had to be. Yeah, it's, I'm in Vegas. No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I'm in a baker. <laughs> no. It needed to be San Bernardino. It did. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, thankfully for all of us. Yep. Rob says uh, this is a statement. It's a statement more about who they are as a team and what's their grit, how hard do they grind when they're down, even if they don't win this game. I want to see it be tight and competitive. Okay. Rob will be judging. Judging the Jazz tonight. Early game, though. I can, don't get I can to, live with that. Yeah, don't get to the TV late. This is about as early as they tip oh, off. 5 o'clock five tip o'clock? time. 5 o'clock tip yeah. time for the Jazz and the Sixers. Ironically, 5 o'clock for the Utes and Oregon State as well. That one's on ESPNU. So you got some hoops tonight, and PK will be back. And I'll be back tomorrow, and we will bring them both down for you right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Hans and Scotty next.